Warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also be warned that spoilers for the entirety of Fooly Cooly will be discussed in detail throughout tonight's episode, so please be weary if you have not seen Fooly Cooly and wish to remain unspoiled. And finally, the views and opinions expressed here tonight are that of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now, in this boring town where nothing happens and nothing changes, I think it's about time we kick things up a notch, huh, Chief? I say we swing the bat and we show ourselves what Fooly Cooly is all about. It's Fooly Cooly. Fooly Cooly. Cooly Fooly. Googly Moogly. Hooly Fooly. Golly Fooly. What is Fooly Cooly? It's a good question that a lot of the philosophers of our time have pondered since the dawn of man. What is Fooly and what is Cooly? There's a yin and a yang. There's a Fooly and a Cooly. These kinds of things make sense, I promise. Anyways, we need to have a long-standing discussion about what the proper merits of Fooly and Cooly is, how that affects our civilization, what it means to Fooly and Cooly. What is it Fooly or is it Cooly? Is it Furry or Cooly? Is it FL or is it CO? Are we ever going to know? Am I just kind of buying time right now? Yes, I am. So with that in mind, enjoy the show. Right on, shooting star. Good evening, Doug Talk listeners. Welcome to another episode. For tonight, we we have a question for you. Do you like rock music? Do you like guitars? Do you like small motorized vehicles? Do you like violence? Do you like robots? Do you like irons? Do you like unnecessary 3D-assisted camera shots? Do you like general insanity? Do you like obscure references that only the people making the thing you're watching are really going to care about? Nuts be to you. Well, if you applied any of those things. We, in fact, have a show for you tonight, kids. Yes, that's right. A blast from the past. From the from the long-ago days of the 2000s. We're covering the one, the only, the fooliest, the cooliest. That's right. Fooly Cooly, here in your ears tonight. Uh, joining me on this ridiculous exercise in uh, personal nostalgia is uh, Jamal. He who controls the left side controls the world, Chief. And uh, Andrew. Hey guys, let's talk about Takun! Oh boy, it's going to be one of those episodes, isn't it's it? It's hard isn't to it say. Al- isn't it always? Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Is this going to be more of one of those episodes than the uh, the Nietzsche Joe episode? I- I'll say... I feel I was more attached to Nietzsche Joe, but Fooly Cooly, I've also got a bit of a history with. Well, actually, I, I am I am curious on that note since we are, we are going to be covering Fooly Cooly tonight. Obviously, a a seminal dub for people of a certain age in in uh, the uh, English speaking anime consuming world. I certainly know for me, uh, many my my exposure to anime got significantly expanded once I found out about Adult Swim and started watching their programming. And watching this when I was about 15 or so was 
a lot, let's say. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, Andrew, what's what's your history with with Fooly Cooly? My history with Fooly Cooly is, I think when I had first watched it, it was around the time I was getting a little more accustomed to... Because I used to be a young boy, and a young boy, back then, staying up late to watch anime was kind of a big goddamn deal to me. Like, the night, I think I remember I first, like, was awake past midnight... And I just turned the TV on because when you're a child, cell phones didn't exist in my era. And it was just like, all right, what's on this box? If nobody's going to come in and interrupt me, I want to see what's on this box. And on that box, I remember, was Adult Swim, which had anime cartoons at that point. I believe the first one I ever encountered was a Dot .hack series. But I think the one I ran into after the fact was in the middle of an episode of Fooly Cooly. I believe it was the the end of the episode where they were doing the play and she was just kind of becoming a spider lady at some point. And I was kind of, I want to say horrified, I believe, when I first watched it. I was like, what? What is this? I'm so confused. Andrew, be honest. Did it awaken something in you? Actually, no. This was the point where I was still <laughs> a young boy, and I was still too horrified to even contemplate the fact that this could be somebody's fetish. That's fair. I'll say this. My actual real exposure, I think, was a few years later, when I had gotten a little more exposed to watching, like, Adult Swim, like, late-at-night anime blocks, and I had first... Mm -hmm. Like, they had to start... Because the thing that Adult Swim likes to do sometimes... They had shows they really liked a lot... That they would replay... Regularly throughout the years. Fooly mm -hmm. Cooly was one of those shows that would... They would replay if they could on the regular. Um, other titles would include the likes of... Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Fooly Cooly! Was a show when I first watched it... I did not like it. Ooh, strong words. I genuinely did not get it. I did not enjoy it. I did not understand it. But when TV is on, back in the day, you couldn't really go through your go through your queue and choose what you wanted, or as more is accurate, scroll through your queue endlessly and watch nothing. This was the day you turned the TV on and you watched what was put in your face. So, throughout the years, I would continuously watch Fully Cooly over and over and over again. Until I started to appreciate a little more of it. Until I started to understand a little more of what they were going for. Until I started to understand that there's deeper themes and symbolism that this isn't just random wacky bullshit. Until I started to understand this was a kinda dope-ass show. It took a lot of rewatches to really get to this point. But I think I like Fully Cooly. Oh, that's good. We can remain friends. Good. And uh, you, you would, you would be correct pointing out that they reran it a lot. Uh, my understanding from an unspecified source on the internet is that uh, somebody is adult. Somebody on Adult Swim has said that this is the favorite an best anime they've ever ran. I like it's their favorite. I believe uh, Jason DeMarco, the current head of the Adult Swim Toonami block and a big uh, executive at Adult Swim nowadays, says like Fully Coolies, like absolutely like his favorite anime of all time. Yeah, that checks out. Checks out to the point. 
Are we gonna mention that actually? It's not relevant. What that they that they that that the that Adult Swim liked it so much they helped produce two sequels. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, we're we're not gonna cover the sequels because uh, one character side they are very different casts and probably deserve their own individual episodes. Frankly, uh, but yes. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 2017. Uh, 2017, 2018, yeah. Yeah, uh, Adult Swim in, in uh, with uh, Production IG, who own the rights to Fully Cooly these days, uh, produced a pair of sequel series, uh, FLCL Progressive and FLCL Alternative, uh, because they just like it that goddamn much. And why wouldn't you? What other anime can you watch people get hit in the face of musical instruments? None, I tell you. It's embarrassing. So what you're saying is... You want all of the rock band idol ed anime to have a lot more punching each other with instruments? Well, it has to be the right kind of punching. Like, if they start doing it in, uh... What's the, what's the, what's the nice one that's like, uh, it's, uh, what is it? The, 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 the cute animal girls and their star guitars. What's that show called? by rock? Yeah, if they didn't show by rock, I'd just be upset. That's weird. <laughs> wow. Why would you do, why would you do that? That's weird. But if they ever made, like, another Beck anime, you would totally see somebody, like, smack somebody with a fucking guitar to be broad dope. I mean, I mean, Beck seems like the kind of show where someone would get in a fist fight. They'd be less out of place, at least. At least they look like, uh, you know, actual... It looks like, like adults who would fight somebody, not, uh, you know, mascot characters. Like, Amon, you say that, but thinking about it, the type of guitar hitting that happens in this show is a lot more fun and cartoony. When you think about it, you would want it to be happen more at Show by Rock, because it would happen, and you get a nice, cute, cartoony animal face, and it'd be a, a dookie, doofy anime face. If it happened in something like Beck, somebody would get a fucking concussion. Yep. You say that like that's not also part of the appeal. Fair enough, but still. I just like I also like shows where people just beat the snot out of each other. I'm fine with that. All right, all right. Um, Jamal, do you do you have any history with this show? Uh, sort of. To be honest, I've been kind of on and off through anime throughout the years. Like, I didn't really start watching Food Cool until they aired repeats on Adult Swim. Like, it, it's it's complicated. Like. I didn't read. I, I aside from episode one, I think it was because I remember the the comic gag they had in there. I didn't exactly understand what was going on. I didn't watch it again till I got back into anime, like about 2013. And from then, I tried to make an effort to watch it at first. I managed to watch a couple episodes, watching quotation marks because I fell asleep at some point. <laughs> And I wake up and I hear the ending song. I'm like, "What is this? Like, I don't like this, man." Like, I tried to go back to it, but I never made an effort to. Until I started watching the sequels, like, actually, really, I only managed to watch Fully Cooly Progressive. And then, in the back of my brain, and uh, in the chat, Abba asked me if I'd be willing to come on to the show. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm willing to oblige you. I mean, I've seen Progressive. It'd be nice to watch." original just to get an understanding for it but man like i do i i actually had some clarity thanks to watching the sequel seasons that i understand what the show is trying to go for now especially with all its gags and stuff it's amazing how they managed to pack so much into six episodes not only that but the ending sounds a bop too oh yeah i'm just kind, mm -hmm. i'm just kind of bummed it's so short like i was listening to it on YouTube just before we started recording. I was surprised it was so short, but I think it, I think it was really worth it. That I 
jumped on this episode with you guys. Oh wait, we're not in final thoughts yet. We gotta talk about the show first. <laughs> yeah, no. there, there's there's some things to talk about. Oh yeah. Although I uh, I will note, I think part of the reason that song is so short is that is one of two songs that was recorded just for the anime. Most of the, most of the music in here is pre-existing in some fashion. That one is not. It's always the good songs that are so short, isn't it? Um, uh, for my own part, um. I'm not, I can't confirm this exactly, but I think I can remember the first episode I saw. And I think it might have been the first time that episode was ever aired on Adult Swim. I'm not sure, but the dates would match up. Because uh, it was during the summer, so I would have been up late on a, on a weeknight. Uh, and I just, I have this very vivid memory of this pink-haired lady with the blue Rickenbacker bass dressed like Elvis yelling about Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being curious but i'm not sure i knew what to make of it at the time did and this then, awake something in you Amon? no i already knew what a rickenbacker 4001 was that's a sexy instrument i <laughs> i need this show to tell me that. <laughs> that that's paul mccartney's primary bass instrument from the late 60s onward that thing rocks <laughs> pun intended yeah uh, and then I can remember that, and then I can, I, I feel like at some point the, the mid-commercial break came on, and I probably, like, flicked away for a little bit, and when I came back, there's just this guy in a haircut chair uh, who would randomly turn into a South Park character, and I did yeah. not understand what was going on, and it was just like, what am I watching? What is this? I thought that was a mistake, but let's save that part for the discussion. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and I, I, I definitely, I believe I watched the following episode um, the next night, and then at some point they had a rerun, and I, I filled in the rest. And I was like, "This is fascinating. I think I like this show. This is really, this is." I didn't know it at the time, but especially in retrospect, Fully Cooly is very much my brand of bullshit, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's nice that a, a bunch of nerds on in a completely different country. <laughs> would unwittingly make something so attuned to my tastes. Assuming some of my tastes aren't just foreign for having watched Fully Cooly a lot as a teenager. Who can say, really? What is the chicken and what is the egg? Uh, then on that curious note, shall we get started talking about the, the dub of this weird, wonderful show? Yes. I would be interested in talking about the dub of this weird, weird show. Well, in fairness, it is the point of the show. It, the point of this uh, this podcast, so that would be good. Mm-hmm. It, it is uh, in the name. And it, yeah, you're right, so it is. Uh, to start off, we will be discussing the ADR director and scriptwriter, both of which doodly, duties were handled by the same guy. <laughs> Andrew, do you have any predictions for this? Oh, come on! <laughs> yeah, no! <laughs> no, I'm on duel. I do not have predictions for this 15-year-old show. I'm just oh, going good. to predict that the entire dub was the brainchild of one... Abdul, comma Amon. Well, that, I'm very, I'm very flattered. You think I had that kind of power when I was uh, 15, but no, sadly, I did not. Possibly 14. Uh, anyways, uh, the editor direction and script writing was handled by Mark Handler. Uh, he has quite the resume on him, actually. Uh, as far as his writing credits go, he worked on shows like Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. He uh, wrote the dub for the movie Metropolis, and going way, way back, he was one of the writers on Voltron. What? Really? OG, OG Voltron back in the day. Holy shit! Oh wow! Really? Yeah, so he, you, you actually, um, 
what is it? If, if fun fact, if you go to his website, he has like he has like a little resume, and he actually has a link to a Cartoon Cipher's video on the uh, Felicity dub, where I think he points out uh, sort of he includes an edit, a little uh, interview with him that uh, points out like you know when you're working on Voltron, you just get kind of scripts, and there you don't have a lot of context for what's going on outside of whatever episode this is, and it must have been fascinating to work on like you know, adaptive anime, basically, at that point, and then follow that career along up until, like, the 2000s when people started to be like, no, no, we should take this seriously. It's basically here. It's basically the idea that in the 80s, they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants, but in the 2000s, it's like, okay, there's a method to this. When they yeah. did Voltron in the 80s, they didn't even have video to work with. They just timed everything out with a stopwatch. Wait, what? I'm dead serious. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that's why you find a lot of unsynced dialogue in old anime duffs. That would do it. Uh, so that's for his for his writing stuff. On the directing side, he has a few credits to his name. He directed the dub for Rave Master. Uh, he directed the dub for a show called Tonde Burin, which was aired outside the U.S. as Super Pig and never aired inside the U.S. for whatever reason. Even though it was dubbed in the U.S., which is weird. Um. But more recently, his uh, big thing as a director is that he's the director on the series Stitch and I, which is produced by uh, Disney China, apparently, which is where he works these days. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, so he's, 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 he's gone places in the world. Um, so on that note, um, gentlemen, tell me, what, what do you think of the writing and direction on this show? Odd. Yeah. Is a word <laughs> I would use. Do go on. I will say this is a very Japanese show. It is full of a lot of Japanese references, a lot of Japanese like onomatopoeias, a lot of strange honorifics, pet nicknames, sound effects, like mouth gobbledygook chipperish at times. That some of these characters have to be spewing very fast, very quick, very strangely. It is also sometimes a mixed media show. And from what I can tell, there are several performers in this dub. Some of which are now very much industry mainstay legends. Who are making their debuts in this dub. This is a product of a dub that is... It's... Uh, how do I describe it? I wouldn't say it is bad. I would not say it is a bad sounding dub. I actually think at times it is pretty damn good. Like, I'm a big fan of Haruko. I think uh, Nauta is pretty good. A couple of background players are pretty good. And I have... I have opinions of... Uh, mommy me, but... The... The... This is such a strange, strange dub. I think now that I'm older and now that I've gotten a chance to watch it for like the fifth or sixth time, I appreciate things about it I didn't quite appreciate back then. This is also a hard show to work on. There's a lot of everything happening. This must have been a difficult show to work on. So I will give some credit where it's due. It's pretty good given the time period and given what they're working with. But 
this is I don't personally think I would remember this fondly as like the best dub I've ever heard or the best dub of that era, but it is kind of charming. It is kind of charming, but it is very weird and rough. But there, there's some euphemisms, there's some good line deliveries, there's some good reactions and screams. It's pretty good nowadays. Like, I, I watch it now and I appreciate it, but it's kind of weird. It, it sounds a little weird. It's much like the show, it is very fooly and it is very cooly. I see. Uh, uh, Jamal? I mean, I'll agree with Andrew that the dub is kind of odd. I mean, the, try to keep it told the show, but the thing about the show is, is there's, there's some fourth wall breaking, innuendo touching, anime ch- changing, constant going on here. And w- why I managed to complete this for the first time today, it was kind of hard to puzzle, like, why they made some of the choices they did, even for that era, because thinking back on it, like watching it, it kind of reminded me of Digimon the movie the way they handled the, the dub for things. And, but I like Digimon the movie, they didn't, they didn't localize anything, which is kind of good, kind of necessary for a show like this, because, you know, they even, like I said, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, they even kind of play up some of the guys who like, some of the animators did something. So at one point, they even mentioned a John Woo reference and why animators put cats in their shows. <laughs> Where did all these pigeons come from? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I, I de- I, 14-year-old me definitely didn't get that joke. Me Now me thinks that's hilarious. Yeah, so that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think one thing Andrew had to point out is He's found a couple, of re- a few references that were basically kind of references to like Gainax anime itself. Because remember, because we didn't point out, not only was this production IG, but this one in particular was a joint venture between them and Gainax back in the day. Mm-hmm. This is very early Gainax. There's, there are some mainstay no, no, players. No, it's, no, it's not. Okay. Gainax started in the 80s, Andrew. Okay, correction. This is... 90s Gainax. This... This is the Gynex. Okay, there, this, there, this is, there this are is, two. Is... There are two schools of camp. There's two schools of camp. There are two schools of thought for what I think people associate with Gynex in the '90s in the modern era. There's Neon Genesis Evangelion Gynex, or there's Trigger Gynex. This is Trigger Gynex. Okay, like you kind of see why you think. Uh, but like I said, the the change in animation is so constant. Like I don't really care what in between or key animation is. You can definitely notice the animation changing very easily, even when you're not paying attention. But for what it's worth, the dub is not bad, but it's not perfect. I mean, it is kind of odd that if you're not you if you can't handle the odd, you're not gonna like it very much. Did the best with what they were given, although at one point it was actually a dub title in episode 5. As uh, we kind of point, as Alba kind of pointed out with the Elvis scene, because you could literally see Halka reading, shouting verbatim what was on the subtitle. Like, they literally had a subtitle for that, and she was just reading verbatim. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is getting weird even for me, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I enjoyed it. I think really 
as long as you put out a good product, it's not too bothersome. I mean, it, it'll be okay. It was definitely okay. It even kind of holds up to today's time, actually. Again, with the sequels that came out as well, so. Hmm. I'll say, just because I actually forgot to mention it now I think about it, there, I... This is a show I I will admit I find new things. I watch it every time. This time I discovered several references I just did not understand. I now understand what a Lupin is. Yep. I now recognize the fact that episode 5, he is straight up dressed as... Re His dad is dressed up as Red Jacket Lupin. And they do the whole gag about the punching glove straight up in her cooter. Oh, that's what that was. Don't say cooter. I okay. Coot uh <laughs> in her coochie? Don't don't don't, don't you you made your point. Her 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 interdimensional wormhole. You're making it worse. You, I hope you know that. Look, there I'm trying to save your dignity, man. It's fu it's footy cooty, man. It's footy cooty. You do it like this. You do it like that. You footy and cooty and curry with your furries. Alright. I'm sorry, were you saying something, Jamal? I was I was done, so... <laughs> Alright. Um, before I start, I'll, I'll note a little bit of historical context I meant to give at the beginning of the show. Um, part of the reason Fully Cooly is the way it is, is that before working on it, Gynax had just come off doing the TV show His and Her Circumstances. Oh! Uh, which is, which is uh, the other Hideke Anno show with a horrifyingly troubled production oh. that left everybody incredibly burned out and exhausted at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was that was the thing they were working on before this. I think that and maybe maybe some stuff on one of the Evangelion movies. I, is that Karikano? Yeah, that's Karikano. Okay, I've I'm unfamiliar with it, but I am told I, the production of that is actually a train wreck. Yeah, any any story you've heard about issues they had for the back half of Evangelion, Carol Kane had worse. I think there, I think there's an episode where it's like puppets, because they'd run out of money, like little stick figure paper puppets or something like that. Wait, actual stick figures? I've not seen the back half of Carol Kane. I can't confirm this. I'm telling you what I've heard on the internet, but like it was a. Everyone was real tired at the end, and they wanted to do something stupid and frivolous. And that's why that's how Fully Cooly came about. To the point where Hideki Anno's only involvement in this product, despite being one of the co-founders of Gynax, is he technically voices um, Naoto's cat in Japanese. That's all he did. Is that why? Okay. Is that why the credits the cat the cat's name is in the is a question mark? That is why. That would Hideki be why Anno, he he needed a vacation. He uh, he basically was just like, okay, fuck anime for a while. I mean, I think, I think Hideki Anno's baseline and attitude is fuck anime, but, you know. <laughs> like, he loves this shit, but he may also think it's kind of stupid. Fair <laughs> I mean, enough. Don't blame him. I just recovered from a headache and you're already blowing my mind. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Jamal, however bad your headache is right now, it is nothing compared to Nauta's fucking headaches. I tell you what. <laughs> Yeah, but then again, I take a bass guitar to the face, did I? You didn't no, take a bass did guitar to the face. You haven't had interdimensional robots. You haven't had a straight up like gun trigger. Gun you haven't got cocked, loaded cat ears. Um, like 
His head's been through a lot, buddy. It's hard being Nato. Oh my god. It's... It's a hard not life for a hormonal te- Is he even a teenager? No! I think he's 12. He's like- He's 12. He's not even 13, he's 12. He might be 13 at the very, very end where they're wearing the uniforms, who can say? It's hard to say, uh, yeah. I think you might, Abba. Um, where was I? Yes, so, um, F Cooley was partially the product of Gynax wanting to do something a little less stressful. So they did an o OVA series that they released over the course of about a year. And it turned out very well for them. Uh, my own thoughts are that... I don't want to say I can't look at this dub objectively, but it's hard. Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen any part, aside from clips, of Fooly Cooly in Japanese. In my, in, like, in my mind, this dub is welded to the show. This is what it sounds like. You know what? Uh-huh. Now that I think about it, I honestly, until, like, the new anime was coming out, I don't think I've ever actually heard... Mayumi Shintani's voice come out of Haruko Haruhara's mouth. I've only ever heard the actress that plays her in English and nothing else. Likewise. Um, I never actually considered that, but you're right. So, yeah, as, as I think I've made clear, I have a I have a deep fondness for the show, both for kind of nostalgic reasons, and also just because it is very much my jam. It is um, your shit, so to speak. Any any show that any show that features a scene where the characters breathlessly point out the model and year of the uh, guitar that's just been pulled out of somebody's head, it's like Amon's gonna like it. He can't help it. That's just the way he is. Um, but a part a part of me enjoys how weird the dub sounds because it sounds very distinct. Yeah. And a thing that it, a thing that it made me think of is back when he used to do video essays. Uh, Jacob Chapman, who used to write for ANN, and I believe writes for Crunchyroll now, um, did a video on Fooly Cooly, and he pointed out that the performances in English and Japanese kind of sound exactly the same. Like, there's not a lot of f finessing. It's it's very much like, here's a recreation of what this sounds like in English. Not necessarily in, like, a vocal tone sense, but kind of in, like, how does this feel? How do, the, how do these characters project? Um, I think it's testament to that when they were recording the dub for the first three days, uh, the director of the show was actually there on site, kind of like giving suggestions. Uh, really? He apparently had he actually he apparently had some input into uh, a lot of the casting choices, in part because he wanted to try and uh, sort of an idea he had was like kind of recreating the feel of the show for an English audience. Um, because a lot of this stuff that's obtuse to us. There's also stuff in there that would be obtuse to, like, anyone in Japan watching this, too. Like, the gags about, like, discontinued brands of soda and stuff like that. It's just... Oh, yeah, they do drop a crystal, crystal Pepsi in there at some point. Yep. <laughs> yes, and in, and in the Japanese, that's a reference to a discontinued brand of Japanese soda. Huh. Um Yeah, so, like, there, there, was, there was, like, localization going on, but it's very, like... Here's a thing. What, what's an actual comparable thing you can find in English? Which, you know, it happens plenty in localization. I, I feel like... That would explain just... that would explain the little thing about how the grandpa is asking for the Anna Nicole cover spread. And yeah, no, same thing. That will also explain the Sony Walkman line. Okay, no, that that can totally be both <laughs> languages. A yeah. Sony Walkman is a thing in Japan. Too. I know, I know, I know. But the pun the pun works very well in English. So who knows what it, I I don't know what it was in Japanese. I, mean, I should I should watch it in Japanese one day and find. Um. 
But, like, it, it it has this very distinct weirdness to it. Like, it doesn't... There aren't a lot of other dubs I can really point to it. Like, there's other stuff that have the sort of gag mania aspect. There's other stuff that's very reference-heavy. But nothing quite feels like Fooly Cooly. It's like this weird... It's like this weird little one-off uh, that just existed for a brief moment and was never repeated. Which is appropriate, given that uh, the studio that dubbed it Sync Point, I don't believe... I don't believe they dubbed that many shows during their lifetime. They were... Kind of short-lived as a as a production company. Um, it was like this in was it DG charts and maybe a few other things. Like this is this is by far the most high-profile thing they ever did. Um, I don't know. Like I, I I dig this. It is it's very odd. And I think as I've grown older, I've grown to appreciate oddness in things, uh, even in stuff like anime dubs, where I think there's an argument for like you know just quality in general, but sometimes just being kind of offbeat is fun in its own right. Uh, so I, I, I remain a fan, for better or for worse. And on that note, would we like to get to our, our first set of characters? Yep. I would be intrigued to talk about some of these characters, yes. Let's talk about, let's talk about some characters. Uh, up first we have, uh, Naoto's dad and granddad, Kamon Nandaba and Shikikuni Nandaba. Uh, Kamon is a weirdo and a loser. Uh, he's, he's a weird culture writer who now publishes zines because he doesn't work at his old job. Uh, according to the according to some back matter material, he apparently married into his wife's family. Uh, he took her last name, which is very unusual in Japan, uh, and doesn't say a lot of great things about him. Uh, and uh, Shikikuni is an old man who's also a baseball coach for the local team, and gets has the robot go buy porn because what else are you gonna do when you have a robot lounging around your house? Uh, Come on, is voiced by Joe Martin. Uh, Joe Martin does not have a very big resume to his name. If you go to IMDb that, uh, for Joe Martin, you will find his credits on there, and they are also mixed in with an unrelated Australian actor, who is not the same actor, and some dude who was in a movie Sean Penn directed in the early 90s, who I also think is a different actor. Uh, but Joe Martin was in a couple of other things. Uh, he played Lieutenant Jacobs in a 2001 action movie called The Silent Force. I watched part of it to make sure it was him. Looks pretty generic. Uh, and more props more pertinent to this, he played a character named Dr. Doctor Daniel Jacobs on an episode of VR Troopers. Well, this is going to be interesting to talk about, especially, That's... With, the especially with the next wow, okay. actor, so... I know. I don't, actually, it was great. I was, I was watching the episode that he put up here on to make sure it was him, and I was like, wait a minute, Richard Epcar is in here. I saw Tony Oliver in the credits. Man, there's, I was watching a lot of actors I liked before I knew it, wasn't I? Yeah, there's I a, there's a very good reason for that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I remember the amazing discovery that Tony Oliver was in Robotech, and I was like, what the fuck? Tony, Ol Tony Oliver, he's been acting longer than you think he has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's true. And uh, Shikikuni is played by Steve Kramer, uh, who is a, who's a... He's been in all bunches of things, although... Uh, some I like. He was Axel Thurston in Eureka 7. He played uh, Saritabi the Third Hokage in Naruto. And more recently, you can hear him as Kane Brazard in Seven Deadly Sins on the old Netflix. Okay. I thought that was the Third Hokage. It sounded like yes. him. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nope. That's him. Uh, so, gentlemen, what, what, do we, what do we think of these performances? Um, I'll, be, I'll be quick in regards to uh, Steve... As mm -hmm. the grandpa, he sounds like a good grumpy old fart. He doesn't really get to do too much, but he gets to make some little funny noises where he's talking about what foodie and cootie is, 
and he made me laugh at some point when they're thinking he's talking about the fact that that uh, Nauta was begging Mamimi, and he just says out of the corner corner of his breath, "I bet she does it like a weasel." <laughs> and I and I got a I got a good little kick out of that little quirky line. Um, Steve's got a very crotchety old, old man voice, but it's a very distinct, stern voice that stuck that sticks with me now. And it's like I'm not actually sure how old he was then, because I feel like he's done a lot of really convincing old man voices for like the two or so decades I've heard him do voice acting. But he does a convincing job. He does a good job being the old grumpy old fart. And like I said, he, he asked the robot to buy him porn. And he doesn't like Mamimi because she was... I'm going to be honest. The show says that she was dating his brother. Uh-huh. I don't think I believe that what they had was a dating relationship now that I'm watching this. I think Mamimi thought it was a dating relationship. I cannot speak for anything. Are you saying it was more like Yadere Simulator? No! No! No, because Fooly Cooly actually came out. I, I know, but I meant like in terms of the second episode, because, you know. No, okay, that's... We'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that in a second, but... No, now upon rewatching it now and I think about it, like, I, I was pre-convinced in the several times, it's like, oh, she says that they were dating, they must have dated. Now that I'm watching it again, it's like, I genuinely don't think they were actually an item. I think Mamimi was just really, really, really looked up to him a lot. And thought, like, was sort of in love with him. I think she, but never really, there was no real, like, affection given back? I, I, I think it's safe to say that of the two of them, Mamimi took that relationship a lot more seriously yeah. than Nauta's brother did. Because of the fact that it's like, oh! He's got a girlfriend in America! Ain't that just the way? It's like, yeah. You, you didn't stand a chance, girl. Anyway, so we're talking about the grandpa. The grandpa doesn't like her, but Steve Kramer does a good job. Joe, as the father, is... Uh, very quirky is what I would say, but he he does this very he does a good job sounding like this adult man child, but also kind of a bit of a weird kooky pervert. Like the the amount of noises he makes when he is just I guess experimenting with Haruko, where he's just kind of like they're just like rubbing all over each other, and it's yeah. like this is too hot for TV. <laughs> And also, at some point, he just kind of dies. He just dies. He, he's just dead at some point. And he, he he is a very strange, quirky voice. But he says a lot of really funny, strange things. Like, I don't actually know who this is. Like, I believe this is, like, one of the many alien... Ali no, what? no, This, as far as I can tell, that's his real... I should clarify, those two roles that I mentioned, that's not just because I thought those were pertinent. Those are the only two roles, other roles I can find by him. Really? Okay. I think he just, my understanding is just he retired from acting not very long after this. Okay. Okay, good Good for him, maybe? Either way, it's just, it's a very distinct voice that I really haven't heard anywhere else, but he does, 
Like, he's... He's a perfect fit for the kind of show Fooly Cooly is, and like the kind of strange, manic, horny, disaster energy that this character is, he exemplifies perfectly in his performance. And it's a pretty distinct voice that, like, I can vividly remember what his performance sounds like. Even upon rewatch, it's like, oh, yeah, I know what that guy sounds like, and I've never heard him in anything else. Which is kind of a testament to how he plays the part. And he plays it kind of really great. He's really weird and funny. And he, he's definitely made me chuckle a few times. But it's just like, wow, you are you are on some shit. He, he does a great job, though. All right. Uh, Jamal? I guess uh, to start with Steve Kramer. I like the fact you say he's, I like the fact you say he's a crotchety old man voice. I also like the fact you brought VR Troopers. Because the only thing... I ever really knew Steve Kramer before, long before I ever got back to anime. Have you ever seen a little indie show called Power Rangers in Space? Mm-hmm. You might recognize him as the voice of Dark Honda. Oh. And the day I found out that was him, it's like, it's gonna be way hearing him in a lot of stuff now, because when I saw him in this anime, I was like, Am I positive that Steve Kramer? And then you hear him get angry about the uh, the whole porn thing. I was like, yep, the card is buying porn. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus Christ. But to be fair, with LA dubs, like, you'd be surprised how many actors have came from Power Rangers since then. Obviously not including the biggest one of them all, but that's another story. <laughs> so... So, I did, like, his take on his crotchety old man, even if I don't recognize his rage right away. Uh, Joe Martin as the father, you're right, he is very quirky. I mean, <laughs> when he starts speeding up his words and so, with that, with that comic gag, I'm like, how the hell does one keep up with that Joe, even if there are no lip flaps? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. And there was also that moment, like you said, Andrew, when he's just uh, rubbing up on Haruka, which that scene was weird even by the show standards. Because I'm wondering myself, what the hell is he actually doing? It's like sensual massage therapy, maybe? I don't think this man's gone to chiropractic school. Yeah, talk about a butt plug. And, and then you What? Yeah, there was actually, if you, if you didn't look, there was actually a plug coming out of his butt. Turns out, that one was a robot. I see. <laughs> Wait, you guys didn't know that? I think it didn't, it didn't register, but now that you mentioned it, that's right. That's how, that's how Naruto, <laughs> that's how Naruto ended up finding him in the closet with, a, with him on, covered all in cockroaches. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought to myself, yeah, the things this man has to do, I, mean, I know it's a, I know it can be a sitcom, but goddamn, it, it worked out very well for him in the end. So. I don't really have anything bad to say. I had a lot of odd things to say, but I had, I had nothing but good stuff for these two. So, uh, ten out of ten uh, would buy board for that card. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with Steve as well. Uh, he's he's very entertaining. He's 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 a good grouchy old man. 
Uh, Shikigune doesn't have too much to do in the show other than be old and try and coach baseball, which he does. Well, he's trying. Uh, but the less said about the local baseball team, the better, maybe. Um, but he's 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 very delightful. I think he really he really just kind of nails the character, and he, he's good when his gags come up. Uh, I like him a lot. But now let us talk of Joe Martin. Rewatching this show just it. It breaks my heart that Joe, I assume some point shortly after this, uh, dropped out of acting. Uh, I hope he's maybe out there having, like, a nice theater career or something like that. Because I love him in this role so much. He is so weird and distinct. And part of that's kind of like the character and the writing and them trying to, like, match what the Japanese is doing. But part of it's just, like, you just hear him rambling on about this hamstery let die in middle school. And he's so pompous about it. Oh and god, it's just like, yeah. It's just like it's so, and it, it occurs to me, it's like, oh my god, this man's voice has been. I definitely have points where like I, I, I will realize something, and I will, I will like imitate him going, ah, like I, I realize, oh my god, that's what I've been imitating for decades. Just this one weird performance this guy made, the only anime he's ever been in. I, Joe Martin, if you're out there. Well, continue to live whatever life you have, please, if it makes you happy. But if you ever if you ever catch the bug to come back to voice acting, I will happily support whatever you are doing. You were wonderful. What a what a just what a what a wonderful singular little performance never to be recreated anywhere. It's just it's I don't know if it's my favorite cuz there's, there's a number of performances in here that can be my favorite, but I'm glad we got this at least. There are a lot of people who have short acting careers and don't go much of anywhere, and I'm glad that for whatever reason Joe Martin left the industry, he at least gave us this to enjoy for the rest of our days. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Joe Martin. And on that note of sentiment, we should now continue on to our next set of characters, who are less sentimental, let's say. Uh, we have uh, some buddies of Naoto's and uh, his weird teacher, because it's not a high school comedy set in Japan if there isn't a weird teacher. Uh, we have uh, Gaku Manabe. Uh, he is one of Naoto's friends. He wears glasses. He is very horny. He is really unashamedly so. It's it's a little much sometimes. Uh, we have his other friend, uh, Masashi Masume, Masamune, who is not nearly as horny and a little more common level-headed. Uh, and his dad owns a truck. He's Bad like thirteen. The truck. He's like twelve, thirteen, too, right? Yeah. I, well, they're they're all in the same class, so this is so the first you... time I've watched the show where it's even just hit me. Why are you driving a truck? Because they have an illegal job on the side, duh. Delivering liquor, no less. Wait, what? That's what they're doing. They're delivering booze for the liquor store. Is that what they're doing? Ah. Yes. Yeah, they mention they mentioned that in uh, episode five, I think. Yeah, when, that... they're, when they're like driving along the riverbed and they come across the gunfight, that's what they're doing. Is that really okay? Yeah. Okay. Look, so... it's small. It's small downtown Japan. No one's paying attention. I guess, but that still blows my. Okay. Wow. Man, the thing about Fully Cooly I'm discovering is I've seen it several times and I'm still learning new things about it and. There's probably at least, like, several, like, academic interpretations of the show that I could read and get a newfound understanding of certain things about this show. It's kind of impressive how rewatchable it is in some regards. 
Man, I thought the fact that, like, the high school girls at laid-back camp were working at a liquor store blew my mind. Wow, okay. <laughs> and now you know. Oh, that's fuck. That's wild! He's 12 and he's driving and delivering booze. Hey, man, when you're out in the sticks, you don't question what kind of work you can get. That is true. That kid, that kid's got a hard pimp in life or something in his future. I tell you what. Well, I think I think the implication might be that his dad owns said liquor store and he's just paying his son to go do something. That would make much more sense, but who knows? Well, see, see, that makes a lot more sense. But, Even still, it's but, just like okay. But who knows at this point? So chill it's out, true. man. You're 12 and your lips are too big for you. Rude, accurate but rude. Uh, and and rounding them off, we have uh, Junko Miyagi who's uh, their teacher at the middle school. Uh, she is trying very hard to be an adult. It's going She's... okay. I've seen worse teachers, but she's also having a difficult time showing these elementary school kids how to use chopsticks. She's also having a hard time not having car problems. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Na namely that she gets two cars totaled in the course of six episodes. Oh, it's... She's not as bad as that one guy from Great Teacher Onizuka, but it's it's close. I'm, I'm sure if there were more than six episodes, they'd have had many more opportunities to have her car get trashed. Which, by the way, isn't there, like, a story about the, the episode length for the show? Um... Not that I'm aware of. I mean, it was what? an OVA, so they're like they don't have to be a set length per se. I I think it was just the fact that like the 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 twelve episode like TV episode budget was used on six episodes, so that means they got to do a little bit more visually with less episodes to work with. That would make sense. Uh, anyways, uh, the cast for this crew, uh. Gaku Manabe is being played by Bob Marks. Uh, you would know him for such roles as playing Ivan Whiskey, a.k.a. Cyborg001 in Cyborg009, the Cyborg Soldier. That is the baby, for those keeping track at home. Ah. Uh, he plays Uchida in Perfect Blue. That is the creepy weirdo, for you, those of you keeping uh, notes at home. And he also plays Gomamon in Digimon. Ah. So, hang on a sec, kids. Uh -huh. Which, which by Cyborg 009 the perfect soldier the one the one from the 2000s that you might have seen on TV as a kid okay the that's one, the one that got the blu-ray release recently that one I think. the one the one that I think uh I believe it was Justin Justice Vegas mm -hmm. yeah the one that Justice <laughs> Vegas killed himself trying to fix yeah that one okay cool that's what I thought I wasn't sure uh, that is my understanding it's that one okay. I'm more, I'm more surprised to learn that Goemon played the creep in Perfect Blue. That's something already. That, that's voice actors for you. Yep. Uh, Masashi Masamune is played by David Lucas. Uh, you might know him for such roles as uh, Ichi Onizuka in GTO, Roger Smith in The Big O, and Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop. Astute people at home may have come to the conclusion that David Lucas is a non-union pseudonym, and you may be correct. That sounds like a man I've heard of before. It's actually... Sidebar. I was doing research with that episode and actually found a great bit from a uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, fan site called The Jazz Messengers. That's a great well, name assuming... for a Bebop form, by the way. It is. I'm, I'm assuming this is from, like, way back in the day, but it was actually, like, a 
half open letter, half interview by the woman who ran it uh, between her and David Lucas, which started off with a letter from Stephen Bloom saying, like, hey, David's a very good friend of mine, and it's true, we do sound alike, but we are not the same person, because I'm a union actor, and David does non-union projects, so we can't be the same person, because I get in trouble. <laughs> nice. And there's oh. a, little, a little, little interview with David Lucas underneath, which I found very funny. Ah, uh, it's it's like, it's like, it's like that one comic of the do- of like the dog on a plane, and he's just looking in the mirror, and it's just like, who is that other dog? Who is he? <laughs> and that's just Steve Bloom with a freaking sign on his uh, sign on his neck that says David, and it's like, who is he? <laughs> As he looks in a mirror. I know. I know. He used to do that at like cons. He would. He would be like, "No, that's not me. I'm not Dave Lucas." Yeah, I think he would get. Oh, you had to mention cons. <laughs> I actually, I actually ran into the guy, but I didn't have anybody get his autograph. Actually, I didn't have uh, anything get autograph. But I think, did I get a picture with? Him? I got nothing with him. Fuck. Anyways, oh, I, f- I feel there's other actors we should be talking about. Uh, can we side bar back now? Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, Junko Mia- uh, Miyagi is played by Jessica Sten- Stenuous. Uh, she is known for playing such roles as Gidget in Eureka 7, Elena in Gun X Sword, and Blue in Wolf's Reign. My question... The- uh-huh. Would it be Gun Sword? Or, like... Because I- I- I'm now learning in Japan, anytime something has X in the title, the X is silent. So I guess, would it just be Gun Sword? In the honor of mid-2000s anime, I'm going by how I would have pronounced it when I saw its listings on Tech TV and had no better understanding of how anything was pronounced either. Look, I... If you don't want me to pronounce the X, don't put it there. That's my thought. X gonna it give prob- it to it you, is prob- on. It is probably Gun Sword, but hey. It's it's fun to say Gun X Sword. It's true. Like, the true OTP that it is. Also, on that note, you will encounter some uh, pseudonyms in this show. Let's see if... Uh, Aside from the obvious one we had a discussion about, see if you can pick out who. Uh, and on that note, gentlemen, what are, what are your thoughts on these performances? Despite me being familiar with the work of Davis Lucas, Davis Lucas, David Lucas, despite me being familiar with his work the most, I actually have the least to say about him, just because of the two best friends, he's kind of the more chill one. He, he's, he's, he's got some big lifts. He's a little more high-pitched and casual and kind of a chill dude. I could see myself hanging out with 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 Masamune. Matabe, I feel I would probably... Matabe, I feel like I would hang out with for like three minutes until I realized, okay, dude, you, you need to... You need to fucking stop. You, you need to chill for at least a good couple of minutes. Like, you're, you're bringing 120%. I'm at, like, 65 right now. You need you need to compromise with me a little bit here. Come the fuck up. He's just kind of yelling and screaming, like, a bunch of shit. Where he's, like, he's talking about, Hey, did you hear about that Vespa woman? Like, I hear if she, do- if she catches you doing naughty things, she'll leave her mark. And then they see the little hickey he got from Bobby B. And it's like, oh, where'd you get that mark? It's the curse of the demon! He's a pervert! 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 It's like, oh my god, dude. Tone it down a notch. No, it's like, Bob's doing a great job. I just want, like, Matabe to just fucking shut up. 
Never. I just need him to shut up because he's talking about like, oh, he's got a smooch, smooch, smooch. I'm like, oh, you are annoying. You are annoying, buddy. No, it's it's even better. Whenever he's doing that, he's making a pun about the fact that the uh, Japanese onomatopoeia for kissing sounds like the onomatopoeia for the noise mouses make. Which is why he keeps doing that when he's dressed like a mouse in episode 3. Ah. Oh, that would make sense, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, I like learning new shit about this show. It's actually look, pretty genuinely look, I, fascinating. I, I learned a lot of weird trivia about what things are supposed to mean about this show, and it, we, you will get it doled out to you as this episode progresses. Just FYI. I, I like learn. I actually do appreciate learning some of this stuff, because I, I never would have picked up on this. Or I never would have investigated as thoroughly as I think you would have. Um, and, uh, Jessica! Uh, she is a teacher that is doing her best, that is doing a bad job teaching grade schoolers how to use chopsticks. Also, I think, like, the highlight of her performance is just... What, what is it? Is it just, is it just a porno bag? No, I think it's a it's a gossip rag that uh, Naoto's dad wrote up, which is all about the scandal that uh, Nina Mori's dad is currently embroiled in. Yep. Okay, so basically, it, it's talking about all the the naughty the naughty shit. I believe I believe the idea is there's the accusation he's been sleeping with his secretary, and also that uh, said secretary was originally like bankrolling his campaign or something like that. To which he was totally sleeping with his secretary. Well, yeah. But I, I just was under the assumption that it was, like, a porno bag. And, like, her reaction to just seeing, like, those spreads was just the well, no, most it's... manic, crazy, not, like, 90s, 2000s, like, anime faces. And it kills me when it goes to, like, 200% sense speed. And she just keeps screaming. <laughs> <laughs> And her mind is just flipping the fuck out. And just that one reaction cracks me up. And I'm just like, okay, Jessica, you did a pretty good job. So Bob, David, and Jessica all did a pretty good job. Um, but, God, Monobay. I feel like Monobay, like, everyone's like, oh, you're Andrew, you're very horny and stuff. It's like, yes, but I'm chill. <laughs> I'm chill. Like... You wouldn't see me being like, oh my god, did you sleep with her? Did you get to touch a feel? Did you get to cop a boob? I'd be like, oh, hey, look. Tits. It's nice. Yeah, so you're more passive for you, I made, not active for you, I made. That's the thing. All of you think, like, I'm very aggressive and in your face about it. I've gotten much better about it in the years. Like, I know how to keep that separate from my account nowadays. The most you'll get is there will be a sometimes risque artwork on my safe work where I'm like, you know what? That's just good art. I want to retweet it. The one time I actually did accidentally retweet a not safe for work thing, it was like 8 in the morning and I'm like, oh, that looks good. And somebody straight up DM'd me on Discord being like, by the way, uh, I think you just retweeted porn or something. Wait, I did. Oh, fuck, I did. Thank you. I have not done it since. I see. Good to know. Jamal. Uh, I'm gonna get Monobay out the way, because I'll be honest, even though I completed the show today, I forgot about Mr. Character mostly. Until you pointed out Gobobot, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember which one he is now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Even I wasn't that preferred in elementary school. My God. 
but yeah, you, you can really see the, the it, you can really hear Bob's voice like the virtue kind of goes like his playful nature, his curiosity, which is ironic that he was in a mouse costume, not a cat costume, but that's a different story. I, I, I like how he just teases out to after he gets the mark on his forehead, like, they think that, like, he's a perfect or something, because it just came out of the blue all of a sudden, when really, it was just bad timing for him. Uh, Masamune, I too am familiar with David Lucas, and I could not believe that was him as a boy, but then again, you can actually hear his voice in the lower register, like, it's not being high-pitched or anything, it's like, it's his actual voice, but it's kind of like he's whispered a bit. Almost. It's like, like I can hear it now that I know it, but in the several times I have seen the show, I never actually knew that's who that was. I'm like, oh, huh. I know, right? It really, it really kind of puts things into perspective. I, right? I would, if you had told me years ago, if you had told me back then when the show came out that he'd voiced the boy, if you had told me who he was back then, told me all about, his, I would have never believed that that was him. I would have never believed you. But here we are, this day and age, and. Now I know. And knowing it's half the battle. To which that Jessica Stenuis kinda the teacher kinda loses that battle with those chopsticks. Cause for God's sake, that's not how you hold them. What is wrong with you? But yeah, she's doing her best, doing tried her best at adulting, but you know, she's just having bad luck. I mean, two cars totaled. You, you, students are not taking you seriously, but then again, you're teaching a bunch of elementary school kids. What did you expect? You know, the character's just doing her best. She can only try so hard, and Jessica really kind of reflects that in her performance. Especially with the overreaction to the, to the, what, what you call it again? I know it's not a porno bag, it was a, it was a gossip bag. It's like a, it's like a gossip zine that, um, Come On put together. Yeah, yeah, it's like so 2000s, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a testament to when the show was made that someone actually makes a zine as a plot point. Yeah. Like, this is, this is weirdly pre-internet in a lot of ways. But then again, yeah, on the sticks of town, that yeah, it would kind of predate internet at some points, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like I said, Jessica does the best with what she has, and... I can't fault her for that. It just teaches that quirky. Seriously, learn how to pick up chopsticks before you teach somebody. Look, chopsticks <laughs> is something you kind of take for granted. Those are very hard yeah, to start I, out using. I know. I, I right? guess I also just kind of associate these characters being a little older that I'm kind of surprised that they are, like, learning to use chopsticks at this point. Well, I think the joke is that all the children know how to use chopsticks. She's the only one having a hard time. Okay, okay, that oh. actually does. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, it's like practicing a fire drill there, like when somebody doesn't know how to do it, and all the kids know how to. Yeah, that was a thing for me back in the day, but. Anyway, Amon, you have anything you want to say? Yes. Uh, uh, before you go, Amon, uh, uh -huh. this is unrelated. Uh, I just sent you a. Are you familiar with images that precede unfortunate events? Yes. I just DM'd you one to hurt later. Enjoy. You're an asshole. Anyways. <laughs> oh, thank God you DM'd him personally. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it. If you don't know what it's preceding, it wouldn't seem so bad. Anyways. Um, where to start? Uh, Bob Marks is a lot as, um, Manabe. 
Which is the correct attack to take for that character, because he's clearly just... He looks like a nerd, but no, he's he's the horny hyperactive one. Don't don't let the glasses fool you. Uh, and he's he's he he would probably get annoying if that if his character showed up more often. But because uh the, the some of these characters are used a little sparingly, I think he, he hits the right level of like entertaining without getting too like nails on a chalkboard. Uh, David is he's he's very nice as uh, Masamune, who's just level-headed dude. Uh, he doesn't- he doesn't have nearly as much time to stand out, unfortunately, because he's the level-headed dude. His best moment, uh, is maybe when, like, That's my dad's truck! Why are you doing this? What is happening? Uh, or possibly just one of the many times he's sort of vaguely hassling, uh, Mummy V because they are 12 and thus they are very cruel. Um, and, uh, Jessica as Miyagi is just- She's very good at the yelling. There's a lot of yelling with that character, and she's just... She's very good at the yelling. She, re she really knows how to match the overacting on the animation, which is very important for that character, I think. Um, good side characters. Very happy with these performances. Excellent times. But now let's get to some, let's get to some characters who, um, in retrospect, I didn't realize show up a lot less often than I thought they did. My Hero Crushers, they get introduced way earlier, but they don't... They're, they're at least, guy. like, halfway through the show by that point. I know, but I think in my memory they always showed up in, like, episode two or something. Yeah. I think in part because I've seen this show enough that the actual order of episodes has gotten a little mushed over the years. I won't lie, I also was surprised with how late they showed up, too, now that I think about it. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Partially, I think partially because one of them is such a distinct and strong performance he feels like he showed up more often uh and for those of you at home who haven't guessed i'm of course talking about uh amaro and lieutenant uh kitsurobami i'm gonna uh, be honest i don't actually i actually did not remember his name was amaro which now that i think about it is that a fucking gundam joke it is probably a gun. I mean, I, look who's making this fucking show. I mean, I think they did point that out, too. Also, I had to look up Anime Planet to figure out his name, so... So, yeah. like, they, 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 they say his name is Commander Amaro, but I, I always just knew him by t one thing. Mm -hmm. Eyebrows? Eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows him as a... Look, I don't... Uh, you could tell me... I watch the show a lot. If you ask me what's that character's name, it's like, I don't know, he's eyebrows. That's all I know about him. He's got eyebrows. He's got eyebrows. He's got that, eyebrows and they might not obvious. be they might not be real eyebrows. No. Th they're they are they're not real eyebrows. They are two pieces of seaweed that have been strapped to his face. Yep. The sidebar, one of the I'll, I'll, I'll save that for I'll save that for when we talk about the characters. So, uh, these two work for some sort of government agency type thing. Uh, they are investigating, on the one hand, the medical mechanica company, who appear to be up to something. Uh, and they are also investigating, uh, Haruko, who appears to be maybe doing something with medical mechanica, maybe not, it's not clear. Uh, but they kind of want to not have the Earth get, uh, you know, smoothed out to nothing. De-wrinkled, yes. Um, so, and they're trying, despite maybe their own efforts. Uh... Amuro is played by Dave Mallow, uh, who you know for such roles as Yuwa Toki in Agin. Uh, he plays uh, Professor Isaac Gilmore in Cyborg 009 vs. Devilman, and he's the anti-spiral at Gurren Lagann. Oh shit! Which okay. I found very entertaining. Okay, that 
That's pretty interesting. He actually does, like, a lot of stuff. He does a lot more nowadays than I give him credit for, because I spotted him in, like, when I was looking through this, I spotted him in uh, the first season of JoJo and uh, Hunter Hunter 2011. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys. He's around. He's still around. Good uh, for him. Maybe, maybe not in a lead, but he's around. Oh, he's fucking Akuma in the Street Fighter games nowadays. No, That's why I recognized him. Okay. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Oh, and uh, Lieutenant uh, Kuritsubami is played by El Villa. Uh, she is known for nothing. No one knows who this person is. They don't actually... This is, I believe, like, the one alias where it's just like... It's... Nobody knows. We, who even knows it's an alias? Maybe it's Lindsay Villa. We'll never know. Why uh, Lindsay? It could be Lieutenant. I don't know. It'd be very weird if someone named their daughter Lieutenant, or if someone went by Lieutenant, but that is possible, I suppose. Wouldn't that be LT Villa, then? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't... No one... Yes, as I mentioned, uh, we don't know who this person is. Uh, they've never had any... No other credits to their name... As far as I know, no one, no one's ever like claimed credit for this. Uh, based on what I know about the casting choice, where again the Japanese side was very involved and people were very much cast to match the kind of uh, performance and vocal quality there was in the Japanese, my vague guess is that they might have been somebody who worked for Sync Point but wasn't an actor normally, or at the very least hasn't done a lot of acting since then in anime voiceover, or whatever. Or else they probably would have claimed this role at some point. You're thinking it was somebody who worked in the studio who was less of an actor and more of just like they were one of the engineers or something like that yeah. it would I, I i know that i mean i know like often drawing from like the crew happens at other dubbing studios and it would check out with why because like if they'd stayed in the industry i'm sure at some point they would have like said something that's true so the fact that they haven't suggests it was probably a non-actor who was picked because they vocally fit the role well hmm but that's purely speculation on my part. We may never know. Uh, and on that note, what do Andrew? Would you, why don't you start us off? What'd you think? Uh, El Villa, I she sounds pretty cool. She does a good job sounding like the stern, like female soldier type lady, who also upon rewatching, like we had a discussion before this, where you mentioned episode five was directed by a. Little known, little known guy by the name of Hiroyuki Imaishi. I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> where you mentioned, man, there are people who like go their entire lives trying to find their style, and basically he just nailed his exact brand of his exact brand of content from day one doing that episode. Uh, as for, from far as my research can tell, I think is the first like. His only major thing prior to this might have been doing some key animation on an episode of Evangelion. Um, so yeah, the fact that like this this shortly into his own career, he had figured out, yeah, I know what I want to do. I'm also pretty sure like he actually, I think he was also the one who animated like the whole sequence of Nauta trying to bring his dad back to life. I mean, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, but it's just like. See, as soon as you brought that up, that he directed that episode, I'm like, oh my god, this fucking female soldier is using a fucking Yoko Littner sniper rifle. Yeah, Shit, I, I, this makes sense. 
I, I kind of have the feeling that if I was familiar with more of the crew who worked on this show, I would be able to pick out a lot of stuff that's like, oh yeah, that this is very clearly like so and so is like thing or episode or something like that. Like like so, I like I was saying, there's either like neon Genesis Gynex or there's Trigger Gynex. This is very much the origins of the Trigger Gynex. I mean, in fully I mean, coolly. I mean, if nothing else, it was Imaishi's first director's gig, so in that way, it's very literally the origin of, like, the Trigger Branch. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but yeah, no, she doesn't do too much, but she does a pretty good job sounding like the authoritative soldier, and also, she has some crazy, lewd reaction faces. Are you referring to the bit where uh, Haruko pulls the uh, flying V out of Naoto's head and all the ladies in the room have nosebleeds? There, yeah. There's a lot of innuendo going on in that scene. And, like, her fucking face. It's it's not only just her. She's got the whole whole day's holy shit that was hot. But then you've just got the girls on the computer who also got, like, big-ass nosebleeds. And it's like, they're just doing their job and they have nosebleeds. Like, oh my god. And also, she kind of thinks Conti's hot, maybe? Everyone thinks Conti's hot. Look at him. Amon, you're just making me think of your no, no Guns Life and how all, like, the robot fuckers are a very unappreciated brand. This is a show about the robot fuckers. There, there, there are robot fuckers in the right here, right now, in this day and age. Who are robot fuckers because they saw FLCL at an impressible age. And when, uh, uh, Mami, Mamimi is trying to kiss Conti, they're like, So they, him or I will. So they pull they pulled something out of their head the same way that Naoto Kun did. I mean who doesn't want a robot with a TV for a face? Let's be real. I mean Okay, fair enough. There's there, there's a comic book who have an entire space species who are just Actually, robots wait, with wait, TVs wait, 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 hold the hold the fucking thought. Back uh -huh. on the Imaishi thing for a second. Yeah. Dead Leaves was a movie he directed. That was his first movie he directed, yes. That was his first full directing gig. That also has a guy who just has a TV for a face on it. Yes, it does. Oh my god. It all fucking connects! It's like that scene from... It's like that scene from fucking It's Always Sunny where he's making the... What is it? Pepe Silvia or something? I don't... I've only seen the meme reaction. I don't actually know what the context of that scene is. Pepe Silvia, that's what it is. as we speak. I wanted to make sure I got the name right. I'm like, it's literally, it's it's the Pepe Sylvia. It's all connecting together. You mean the fuck? Yeah, okay, I'm 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 talking too much about this this this. I don't have much to say about her, but she does a good job. I really want to talk about Dave because he is stern. He is commanding. He is funny. He also does a pretty good South Park voice. I think. Yeah, he does. Because at some point in the show, for a full, for like at least 30 to a minute, just becomes actually South Park. Why? Who the I fuck knows? Because, because the animate no, this the animators liked it. Like, they, they, if you get, we'll mention, I'll mention this again in Final Thoughts, but if you get the home video release of this, there is a commentary track on every episode by the Japanese director, with like, subtitled in English. Uh, and when that episode comes up, he mentions, like, yeah, no one in Japan knew what the fuck this was. South Park was not a thing. This so, is a reference for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's delightful. That is, like, literally nobody in Japan got that. They, they like South Park 
So it was just like, yeah, we want to do a South Park scene, cuz. Yeah. Okay. A lot of, a lot of the, a, if you also watch that commentary track, a lot of things will be like, yeah, this is the show because I like it. That would, like, this whole project is just they did things because they wanted to. Yeah. That would explain uh, that Kenny reference on Naruto after that scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. Wait, what? Well, like, when he's, uh, when he's talking about Mimi on the, uh, on the on the shoreline, he like pulls up the hood his hoodie, and he looks like Kenny from South Park. Oh shit! I forgot about that. Fuck. Oh god, the, everything. Uh, Dave is great. He's very commanding. He's very strong. He okay. He starts off very strong-willed, commanding, cool, but then it turns out he's kind of just a love-struck guy who got rejected by Haruhara, who gets made fun of because his isn't as big. Yeah, I heard Takuts is more badly. Oh god, it's like, she pulls it out of his head, it literally just looks like a pair of balls. It's like, oh. It's the world's like, tiniest flying V. Let, let, let me, let, let, I will play for you on the world's tiniest, like, slingshot guitar. He, but he does a great job, he does these great explanation things where he's talking about, like, being an adult and it's cool. And it's like, it's because you're jealous of her. But then he's kind of freaky, I was like, oh god, we're gonna fucking die, why didn't you choose me? I'm cool, I can be big when, it, when I when I give it time, I promise. It's like, oh, but no, Dave does a great job his eyebrows. And just, every time I just hear vividly, what about eyebrows? Like, that, that, that's one of those quips from the show that's just vivid in my head. Anyways, I'm done. I, I spent too long on this talking about everything else but the performances. Please continue. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'll start with El Fella. I actually really liked the voice. It was, it was so natural to this character. I couldn't believe that, like, this was the only role that she had, like, I mean, you're right, maybe she could have just been somebody working in the studio, maybe it could have been like a robber one-half situation, but she was good at this role, though. I mean, it's, a, it's a shame she doesn't do any more, anytime she's interacting with uh, Amaral or Eyebrows or Amaral Eyebrows, holy shit, that rhymes. <laughs> Hey. Layers upon layers, guys. Yeah, anytime the the two are interacting, pretty much kind of when some of the most ingenious co comedy kind of happens. Well, also that scene where she's just she has the sniper rifle, sniper rifle Yoko Lipner style, and apparently she gets robots and cyborgs mixed up. And I'm just... a, a crime punishable by death. <laughs> yeah, luckily it was just a vehicle that blew up, so... Okay, okay, actually, hang on, just on a second. Were they referencing Star Trek during that conversation? I... who knows? Because I, I feel like I heard the word Seven of Nine... Oh, no, that's up. a... yeah, that, no, that's that's a character in, uh... That, that, that's Voyager. very much a character, I think. That's a yeah, character that's in Voyager. So that's, I straight... so Jen, that's Jenny McCartney. I straight up think the fact that they were talking about Seven of Nine or something and they were having a cyborgs versus robots conversation, I thought they were legit doing a Star Trek thing. I mean, that's look, I mean that's definitely a thing nerds do. Yeah. Sidebot, did you say that was Jenny McCarthy? Yeah, Jenny McCarthy is uh, Seven of Nine, yeah. That's Je I think? Jerry Ryan. Oh, you're, I'm thinking of somebody else. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah that's Jenny Jerry McCarthy, Ryan. the one on The Masked Singer? Yeah. The one that know. shouldn't be on The Masked Singer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fucker. Sidebar. Yeah. Like, anytime the two talk to each other, it's kind of some of the funniest interactions. So, especially when the vehicle gets blown up and just ends up 
dive into the pod. I think it was a pod, Bosch, whatever you want to call it. And she mm-hmm. sees Conti, and she's just, like, smitten with him all of a sudden. It's like, you don't give a damn that you're close to tatted it up or that you're wet. You're just in love with this robot. <laughs> I mean, she is wet. That's another demerit. I went a long time without getting another one. I, I, that, I'd say I'm pretty reserved tonight. And that's why you're only getting one. Every, okay. Everybody gets one. You've been, you've been good, so you only get one. Thank you. Yeah, so. But yeah, it's like Andrew pointed out that scene where the Hulk just pulls out the flight V from Naruto's head and all the officers get those. I thought that was very funny, too. I was like, what the hell is going on at this point? And then, like, you just see the two interacting with each other. Like, he's on an exercise bike, and she's holding his water bottle, which she constantly just drinks out of. I was like, isn't that, like, what they say, like, sharing a kiss or something like that? Which is why she got so embarrassed afterwards. But, yeah, Dave Malo is Abarau, though. <laughs> I kept wondering myself, why do I know this voice? Because before I got back to anime, I used to watch a lot of California dubs or uh, Toonami. And I'm glad you said it cool because the only thing I could think of that I found was Bleach, and I'm like, yeah, less said and better. But yeah, the voice of Akuma, though, I could not believe it, man. But they they did a pretty spectacular job, and like, even if he didn't seem as quirky, okay, his voice did not seem as quirky in the dub, except for that South Park scene, but his entire character, however, just. It's one gag after another, man. I mean, come on. See, don't, seaweed eyebrows? Where are you going to see something like that again? Uh, it's it's basically Rockley eyebrows, except they are actually a... Yeah, except, yeah. except I don't like Naruto very much, so... <laughs> Rockley deserves to be loved and appreciated by all, even the non-fans. Well, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, they did they did a very spectacular job for how little screen time they have. Like, like you are, Bob. I'm too kind of surprised he showed up in the back half. But I guess, you know, when things get going, you know, I forgot the rest of the saying. But when the things get going, you get pulled, pulled. Uh, uh, I don't know. You get emasculated by a girl <laughs> in a uh, in a bunny costume. Doing a Daikon reference, which I now, now that I have watched the show for the sixth time, I now understand what a Daikon is. <laughs> oh, what, Shubada didn't help you there? <laughs> no, no, not that Daikon, you fucking idiot. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the OVA for the Daikon 4 convention that, like, Gainax made, where, like, the girl is straight up, she is in a bunny costume, and she is riding the guitar, and she is doing all these things, and she has a duel with Darth Vader at some point. Are, are, you, are you referring to the world's most expensive AMV? Yes, I am referring to... Look, Daikon 4 is like... That is a strange product of its time, but it's very much a Gainax thing. And I'll like... say Twilight by Electric Light Orchestra? Who remembers that song? Me. I was just gonna uh, say how far. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm pretty much done. So. All right. Um. Yeah, I, I, El Vila is very nice in this role. It's a. Uh, 
again, I don't know who this person is. It's a it's a shame that as far as I know, they ever continued voice acting. I think they sound really good. Uh, they're very they like underplay the character really well when it's required, especially in that first episode when she's like, those eyebrows. Like she can tell they're wrong, but she doesn't understand what's happening until the very end, where one of them just falls off, and she's like, "They're just fake. He doesn't have eyebrows." Uh, and the scene where she like drinks some of his water by accident is just at so upset. She's 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 very funny in this role. Um, she's I really enjoy her. It's a, it's a shame whoever she is, as far as I know, didn't do anything else because she is quite good in this performance. Um, well, let's talk about Dave. He is he is so good at try at playing like cool authority who knows what's going on. This kind of man in black type who's got the what what and he's trying to trying to educate you on what's really happening and how you shouldn't hang out with the pink haired lady. Uh, and I love the scene where he's like surgically opened the curry bread from Nauto's store. <laughs> he's like looking over it like it's a dead alien. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't like spicy stuff. So you can tell he's immature because immature people don't like spicy stuff. Oh, um, wow. Look, I didn't say it, the show did. No, I mean, I like spicy stuff, so. Oh, there you go. Um, and then sometimes he just goes a little haywire because things have gone amiss. And he is also, he's, he's very entertaining. Uh, but I will say, if you want the best thing he does... Purchase this show on home video. There are outtakes. Because this is from back in the day when they would include outtakes on things. Wait. They've been included on the Funimation re-release. Wait, the show has outtakes? This other show has outtakes. There is a... My favorite bit in all the outtakes is there's a bit from... I think it's the end of episode four. Ramaro is talking about Haruko. And he consistently... He doesn't call her Haruko mostly. He calls her... Uh, Raharu. Raharu. Yeah. Uh, Haruhu. And there is a bit that is just him saying this name over and over, trying to both pronounce it correctly and get the timing right. <laughs> For what I think is like, no, literally, like, he, he screws it up a few times, and then after, like, the third time in this bit, he just says it over and over as the animation keeps going. Uh, and he's like, anything in there? And they're like, no. He's like, he's like and he fuck. And he, he finally gets it right, and everyone cheers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Because it is, it is, it is unquestionably the hardest tongue twister in this whole show. That's amazing. Um, and it is, it is, it is, it is. Even outside of the show itself, it might be my favorite moment related to this dub. It's just so, so wonderful and pure. It's so human too. It's, it's very human. Yep. It, those, those, those dubs are also fun to listen to because you get to hear um, Naoto's voice actress screw up, and there's something, there's something amusing about hearing such an ardent professional <laughs> mess up a little bit. Okay, I actually need to. I actually need to look up these outtakes at some point. Thank you for telling me they exist. You're welcome. Yeah, um, it, it, I think it's a testament to how strong both of these performances are. That if you haven't seen the show in a while, they feel like they're in more of the show. Uh, like only being in the last three episodes almost feels too short. Like surely they're introduced earlier. They feel like such a key component to what's going on. But no, only only the back three. Uh, they're pretty good. Thumbs up. Uh, and now we are we are on to we are on to some of the women in Naoto's life. Some of them are good for him. Some of them probably aren't. Uh, we some have, of uh, them might be both. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we have uh, Samijima Mamimi and uh, Iri Nanamori. Uh, Mamimi 
is his older brother's ex, presumably. Supposedly! I, I, I think they were probably dating. I think Naoto's brother was just not taking it. It was not as big a thing for him as for her. She was fooling Especially his I, I, Yeah, I think, I, think ah. the implication, I think the implication is that he's a little older than her anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, she is a high schooler who lives in the same town. Uh, she's kind of a loser and an outcast. She spends a lot of her time hanging out with Naoto by the riverbank. And doesn't seem to be particularly uh, well-liked by anyone else in her class or around her. It's a little sad, really. Uh, and she's also a little bit of a pyromaniac. A little? She's... <laughs> she's a little I mean, cuckoo. I mean, yeah, sure. The episode that mostly focuses on her is called Firestarter. But, you know, what's a what's a little arson, you know? Let's be real. About 10 to I'm 15, on... probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Abad, I have a question for you. Shoot. Wouldn't Firestarter be a fucking awesome band name? Andrew. Are you gonna are you... tell me there's a band that's actually called Firestarter? I mean I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a band called Firestarter, but I could also buy it that there are no bands called Firestarter because there's also a very awesome prodigy song called Firestarter. That's the as band that was tried to listen... remember, so as 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 you would know if you listened to the Fire Force episode, which you clearly didn't, shame on you. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, would Firestarter be an awesome song name? But <laughs> it's a great song. It's a, that's a badass song. I love that song. I'm gonna look this up now. Thank you. Oh, you should. You'll thank me. And uh, Nina Mori, uh, that's that's Mom and me. And uh, Nina Mori is a uh, classmate of Naoto's. Uh, she is the daughter of the mayor. Uh, she's a sort of a nouveau riche girl, and uh, she has some issues, but she's trying to work through it. And of the of the twelve year olds in the show, she's probably the most actually mature. Even if she's maybe not like as mature as she'd like, actually, anyways. I, I think uh, that's the whole big thing about the show is kids trying to act more grown up than they really are. It's it well, it's it's kids trying to be more mature than they are, and then adults not being nearly as mature as they should be. Yeah, I mean, even the DVR description for the show says it's a show about aliens and adolescents. So. Yep. No, well, that's. Like, the, the whole big thing is that they expect the kids to be, like, on the same level as adults, but the adults themselves really aren't even on the level of, like, kids, even? I, I think it's more about, like, you know, they're, they're supposed to grow up pretty quick when, when they end up getting backed up in the corner, you know? Like, Indeed. I, I, I have a lot to talk about some of these these two characters in particular. They're pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, there's, 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 a, reason, there's a reason I put them this far down the list. Uh, Mamimi is played by Jennifer Sekiguchi. Uh, she is known for playing, uh, Ilyasville von Isburn in Fate Stay Night. Uh, she plays Heidi Tebelin in Gankutsuo. And, uh, she played Goo in Hare Plus Goo. Uh, she may also be acting under a pseudonym and may be a little more famous than that, wink wink. Um, and of course, uh, Nanamori is being played by Heather Lee Jolson. Who you know for uh, such roles as playing Neptune in the Hyperdimension Neptunia series. She plays Ray Beams in Eureka 7. And she plays Edward Wong Ha Peppel U uh, Tversky IV in Cowboy Bebop. I love that you read the full name. Of course I'm going to read the full name. Uh, what, am, what am I, a coward? <laughs> I think not. You are many things, Abandul. You are not a coward. I'll say I'll say this though. Uh, two things. One, 
God, I love hearing you try to pronounce fate names. It, it fills me with light. Yeah, I didn't really think this through when I made up this what I was going to read off for the cast list for this one. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I have been keeping with reading for... For almost the entire episode, I have kept with the assumption that I was going to stick with Ali. What is the plural for alias? Aliases. Aliases? Yeah. Ali sounds more correct to me. Saying aliases just sounds stupid. Anyways, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Abad. Do we have permission to break at least some of these, just because on the grounds this is a show that is almost 20 years old, and both of these are very known at this point. I mean, with one exception, all of these all these pseudonyms are listed on their ANN credits pages, and I think the one that isn't might be a holdover from back in the day. Okay. So, yeah, yeah go, I, I'm doing this as a gimmick, my man. Go right ahead. Okay, cool. I say this because... I can't not say... I, I, can't, I can't talk about Jennifer and Heather. I, I, I can't say, oh, Jennifer did this, Heather, or did that. No. We have to fucking break this down properly. <laughs> no. Mamibi, Stephanie Shea, and Nina Mori is Melissa Fawn. Let's start with Melissa Fawn. Because she is really... She's got a really distinct tone of voice that kind of, like, 20 plus years later, like, I still recognize Melissa Fawn's voice. Like, she does various different roles, but... It's a very distinct voice that is her own. And I hear her. It's like, ooh, she does a good job. Uh, Nina Mori is basically kind of this sort of stoic, kind of stoic class president girl who is doing her best to be mature and seem like she's above it all. But at the end of the day, she's still a kid who is a bit immature and bratty at times. Who just kind of wants, like, she pretends she's not bothered by the fact that, oh, her, po her political father is fucking the secretary, and it's like, oh, she recognizes that the secretary is wearing different clothes. It's like, oh, you're so mature for your age, acting like it doesn't bother her. But she rigs the the drama club so that she can be the, the main lead, and both of her parents can watch her and pay attention to her. And she thinks Naoto would be very cute as the cat, so she rigs it a little. She's a little immature and bratty that way, but she's kind of trying to keep this facade. Also... I thought at first, okay, the glasses was kind of like a, oh, she actually really wears glasses. That's who she really is. But that's like, wait, no, her glasses are fake, maybe? No, they're fake. Yeah. Okay. Is that, was but, that just a bit or like, okay. No, it's... Well, it, it's, it's, it's related to that whole thing where the plot of Puss in Boots is Puss in Boots adopts a persona to do things done. But eventually he does that so much he becomes the persona. Okay. And I, I, I think you can, I think the fact that uh, Nanamori is really into that story says a lot about her. It's symbolic. Something like that. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, she looks better with the short hair than the long hair. But no, Melissa does a great <laughs> job. She 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 does a great job with this character. She plays her very, like, like stoic and cool and kind of like, ugh, fucking boys. They're so stupid. But it's like also when she sounds very cute and gets really excited and into things. She's pretty interesting, and she's a kind of compelling character, and I like seeing her interact with Naoto. I need to talk about Stephanie Shea mm -hmm. now as my Mimi. From my understanding, mm -hmm. this is, like, this is Stephanie Shea's very first, like, 
anime role. Or uh, one of her very first anime roles. Yeah, I think I think she'd done like one or two other things for Sync Point prior to this, but this is like two or three basically. This this is one of the earliest Stephanie Shea performances you will probably come across actually. Like her earlier stuff, you might actually come across without realizing it, but this is one it's like, okay, you will recognize this is actually a Stephanie Shea at her earliest that you will remember. Okay, so the first the first several times I have seen this show. Oh my god. Amon uh -huh. Stephanie Shea playing Ma Mimi. Her voice literally cannot leave my head. I it's not even like a I say this not as a oh the performance is so amazing, it has left an impact, impact on me for years to come. It's that I literally cannot stop hearing the fucking voice that Mommy Me makes. It is so ingrained into my subconscious. It is actually so annoying. Like... I love Stephanie Shea. She is a fantastic actress. She is a wonderful actress. She is a veteran. She is a performer. She is wonderful. She's played so many different characters. She's played the cute Moe types. She's played the strict, badass, don't give a fucks types. She's played the sexy types. She's played all types. Mahabibi just has... I don't know what it is. There is just something in the tone of voice that, like, just bothers me in like a very visceral way where it's just like so that's how it is huh chief takun 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 i sometimes wake up in a cold sweat and i just hear the sounds takun 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 and it won't leave my head it just won't leave my fucking head man like, Stephanie Shea's- like, here's the thing. As I've rewatched the show over and over, I actually think that Stephanie does a pretty decent job. But there's just something visceral in the voice that just bothers me? And I don't really know how to describe it. It's just very visceral. I- I don't get it. It just- it really annoys me in a way that I'm surprised about, but I appreciate a lot more of the actual acting and performance to it now, because Mamimi, she does a great job changing up Mamimi's tone of voice when she's being playful and kind of flirty to being a straight-up, like, weirdo outcast who's kind of a little bit of a sociopath, maybe a psychopath even at times. And she does a pretty convincing job playing that. It's just... I it's I don't know how to put it. It's just... There's something in the way the tone of voice is portrayed that just... I will say it is a memorable performance. But the memory is just so visceral ingrained in my mind that I think it's just... There might just be some subconscious bias from like when I didn't like the show. I just thought Mamimi was just really annoying. And I just associated that with the voice being annoying, but now I think she's actually a pretty interesting, complicated character. 
And I think Stephanie Shea does a pretty good job. It's just for the longest time, Mamimi's voice really bothered me. And I, like I said, I will hear the sound takud viscerally. Like, there are performances I love a lot more that I can't quite remember what they sound like. Or I need to take a minute to remember what they sound like. But I can just immediately look at Mamimi and I know exactly the, what she sounds like. It's weird. I don't know how to put it. It's just weird. Anyways, Stephanie Shea does a good job. This was a lot more personal than I expected it, but it's very personal. Andrew? Yeah? Takun. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck off! I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I apologize. You um, know what? Fair. Jamal, would you like to follow that up? Uh, yeah, you be meant to. Cover. Uh... Yeah, let me let me start with yeah. I guess I'll go with it. Let me start with Melissa because Melissa is kind of very unique. It like I said, part of the stuff kind of reminded me of back when Digimon the movie came out. I think Melissa was a very big part of that. While I don't recognize her voice as much anymore, she was she she kind of gave off she kind of gave off this feeling like I don't know. I guess like you know how, like. With like child characters and how NYAV posts will kind of dub them, it's kind of that natural childlike feeling she provides. I don't know what it is. Maybe she was much younger back in the day. I mean, this dub is almost twenty years old. Maybe over twenty years old. I I can't really be sure. But uh, yeah, she she plays up how, how stock this character can be, how mature this character can be, how immature this character can be sometimes as well. And that whole thing with the glasses, I kind of like that because that was kind of a Drew K kind of approach to it. It's like it kind of kind of takes me back to elementary school and how like some kids can be at their age, almost had like a sense of realism to it as well. And moving on to Stephanie Shea as a uh, mommy, mommy, I like how she manages to play off the deadpan aspect this character and like she's tried to I don't know I th obviously she was trying to fake kind of fake affection for her something like that because you know it kind of got to the point where after six episodes you know it's like she doesn't have anything for Naruto and tried to get vengeance I guess but uh I don't have the same traumatic experience as Andrew over there I didn't I didn't yeah, the Takun can be kind of grating at times, but, you know, there was a whole point to that. And it's not till you get to later in the story, you find out exactly why. Uh, if I had been planning this to be believed, I think this may have been like a six roll or something like that. It's, it's like, it's not bad. She's really good. It's just, I, I don't know how to put it. It's just the I, voice I, I, I feel stuck. Like I feel like what's happening is that you enjoy the performance, but I think you're reacting to the fact that you may you may find Imami Me interesting as a character. That doesn't mean you like her as a person. I, I I'm not sure. You know what? I don't know. It's like she maybe. <laughs> uh, it's it, okay. It's like did you did you know any like like Mamimi when you were younger who maybe you didn't get along with? I no. It's 
it's not even that I've dealt with a mommy me. Cause I'm gonna be honest, if I if I ran into a mommy me at school or I knew somebody who was a mommy me, I think I'd be kind of scared of them. Like really, <laughs> actually scared. Yeah, yeah. Like no, no. It, what I'm it's not even specifically the aspects of her character. It's just the exact like tone of voice vibrates a frequency that is just forever ingrained into my mind. And it just really bothered me when I was very young. I don't know how to put it! It's just... It's a weird, weird, annoying sound. And it just bothers me. Like, Stephanie's really good! I don't know how to describe it. It's just... Something about the way... Something about the way she says Takun. And the way that it is repeated ad nauseum throughout the entirety of the series. Like a sound bite that is just on loop. It, it just stays. I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it. It's a strange phenomenon. And it's weird, because I've ran into a few mama me's like that, so it can be kinda of concerning, so it, it's a, she's a very interesting, kinda complicated, scary character. Yeah. It? Especially when she has that little pet at the end there. <laughs> submit, Look, submit. all I'm going to say is, as far as actual, like, revenge against the people who have wronged you plans go, stealing their phone and letting a robot dog eat it is actually surprisingly tame. What about the part where the robot starts eating motorcycles and cars? I mean, look, that sucks, but it's like... <laughs> We're not talking like nobody got offed, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to get at. Anyways, yeah, Mom Jamal, did you have more thoughts? I'm kind of well. I did have one more thought. All right. If y'all want, somebody submit that dog to Adme Dog of the Day. Yeah, yeah let's help. do that. Eh, that's it. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, Melissa. I, I enjoy Melissa's lot as Nina Mori. She is very she she does nail that tone of like mature teenager who is like fairly mature for her age, but is also clearly putting on a front because there's a way both that she's probably expected to act because of who she is and who she's related to, and also a way she feels that she needs to act to deal with what is happening to her, because uh, it's clear that a lot of there's some family trouble, and she feels she needs to put on a brave face and not look like it bothers her that much. I think she, she does a good job doing that. And I think I think she, she sells what feels, if not authentic, at least lived in enough that, like, yeah, no, that that is, that's Nina Mori. Even if Nina Mori's maybe putting on a little bit of a facade for her own well-being. I like it a lot. Also, it's very weird to realize that this is the woman who voices Edward, because I, I, I 100% never put that together when I was 14, let me tell you. It's a... Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, it's a very like, different performance. Like, now, now I can kind of hear it, but it's still like, okay. It's weird how much the early Adult Swim shows had more of an overlapping voice pool than I realized. I think that's what I'm getting at. It's just, I, I, I never put that together, and it's weird to kind of realize, oh... Oh, wow, huh. That's weird. Um, so I liked her a lot. And Stephanie and Shay. Um, clearly she's, she's gone on to a lot. And certainly if you're my age, there's a very real chance this is the first thing you ever heard by her. Uh, 
um, is good. Like she she fits this character really really well. Uh, she's she is she is cutesy when she needs to be. She is kind of menacing and upsetting when she needs to be. She is weird and overly passionate when uh, Mamimi starts ranting about God <laughs> and putting lighters on her head. It's a good. It she she this is she's very good in this role. Um, which I find funny, because I, I, I saw part of an interview with her where apparently around the time she was doing this, she was kind of one of those people who thought, you know, dubs might be bad in general. Because, you know, this is sort of the early 2000s. Good dubs were still a, a little bit of a new concept at the time. They were happening, uh, but it was, it was a, still a little uphill by that point. We're not, we're not, we're not too far removed from, say... The old streamline Akira dub, which basically just sounds like a TV show dub from the exact same era. And is of about as good as quality. Uh, bless him for trying, but, you know. Mm. Um, so it's 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 fun to hear her in this, where she's totally like... It's good! Like, she's very she's very good at playing this very, like, kind of odd, very distinct character. Uh, and I think she like I think she does a good job. You can you can you can see the you can see the scenes that would lead her to being who she is now in here. I think um, it's good stuff, and I like it a lot. And on that note, shall we shall we get to our lead? Shall we get to the the people for whom all of this is happening about? <laughs> shall we go there? Avon. Uh huh. I think I can. I think. That's the other. That's the other song they recorded just for this show. Um, we have our principal leads, the people who all this all the shenanigans are happening around. We have Naoto Nandaba and Haruko Haruhara. Naoto is a twelve-year-old. He lives in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Nothing ever happens there. The most interesting thing is that there's a giant factory by some company called Medical Mechanica up on the hill, and it's shaped like a giant iron for some reason. No one knows why. <coughs> Life's kind of boring. Until one day, Haruko shows up. Haruko is a pink-haired alien trying to find her boyfriend, who is apparently a giant bird monster. He's a bird space pirate named Adamisk, who got trapped in, in space, and she apparently goes to find... Not necessarily men, but she can find people who have a very thick head of hair, head of head, head of, thick skull. They have a thick skull that's big enough to put an interdimensional wormhole to pull guitars and robots out of. To use to... I'm gonna be honest, for, mo for most of the show, it's not actually clear what she uses them for. What, the, like, the, the robots? Yeah. Uh, I think the implication is she's trying to help activate the medical mechanica thing, because that might get Adam a scout. That's it's why they're the, all. That's why they're all hands. It's the idea that I just I thinking about it now. I think it's like maybe she uses the wormhole enough. It'll kind of activate the system to put Adamisk like active and doing things. Maybe I don't know. Something like that. Uh. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of there's there's a lot going on in this show. There's a lot visually going on. Sometimes not all plot details are clear. It's taken me a couple of rewatches throughout my life to even get as much as I do right now. That's fair. Uh, incidentally, Adamus uses a uh, 
Gibson EV0 bass guitar, circa 1961. The first year they redesigned that model to bring it more in line with the uh, standard guitar design model they'd uh, refashioned the Les Paul into. It was in that moment Aban was like, move over Haruko, you bitch. I'm taking Adamus for myself. <laughs> no, she has the, no, 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 Andrew. Is the EV0 a wonderful bass guitar? Absolutely. Is it the Rickenbacker 4001? Nope. No way in hell. Oh, so what you're saying is you toss Adamisk to the wayside, steal his power, and then make out with her and take her guitar. I don't think any of those things are going to happen. Let's be realistic here. We're talking... Haruko Hutter, checks up with who she wants to, not the other way around. Haruko's basically... So what you're saying is Haruko, Harahara, canonical, pansexual. No, I'm saying that she'll beat you up first and get what she wants out of you if you try and pull that crap. Haruko, Haruko... Haruko is her own woman. That's what I'm saying. Fight pansexual. <laughs> Alright. Uh, incidentally, Haruko uses an Azurglow Rickenbacker 4001. Uh, year is undetermined, but let's say 1961 when they started making that model. Yes. And Naoto, and Naoto uses a... Uh, a white Gibson Flying V, mm -hmm. which uh, also no year given, but that was started in 58, so let's go with that. Incidentally, the Flying V is the coolest electric guitar. The only way Nautos could be better is if it were a black one. Because that uh, that black finish on a white pickup, oh, that's a beautiful piece of wood. Uh, if only I had the Flying V, I own a Les Paul, so... I mean, for, in for, I mean, look, you're, it's still a Les Paul. That's a good instrument. Don't knock yourself. Well, here's the thing, though. It's not Gibson. I want to say it's Epiphone or is it Epiphone? No, that, that's uh, that's just that's just their uh, that's uh, yeah. Epiphone's like a Gibson subsidiary. That just means you get you get you get all that wonderful Les Paul sound, except it won't cost you two grand. Okay. No shame. No shame in that. I really need to pick up guitar again. That's a fun instrument. I should do that myself. Anyways, enough enough gearhead talk. Uh, Nato Nandaba is played by Barbara Goodson. Uh, Barbara Goodson has had a very long and illustrious career, so I'm just going to give some random highlights I enjoyed. Uh, recently, you would have heard her is playing Granny Octopus in Lou Over the Wall. Uh, very unrecently, and if you're into weird old dubs, you would have heard her play Zero, a.k.a. Goku, in Harmony Gold's attempt to dub Dragon Ball. Fuck, wait, wait, what? wait. What? Okay, okay, so, okay. So back, back, Roll back, it back. Before, back, back in like... I forget when exactly, but for a brief period, Harmony Gold tried out Dragon Ball in the United States. They dubbed, I think, like 10 episodes and ran them on a couple of markets as a test run. So, Dragon Ball. Yes. OG Dragon Ball. Not Dragon Ball Z, OG Dragon Ball. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yes. actually. Uh, yeah, little, little boy Goku, not adult Goku. Okay, I was gonna say if that was the case, they were actually trying to go very close to the to the Japanese if they had Barbara Goodson. Uh, what, as like adult wouldn't Goku. it wouldn't it be great if Barbara Goodson was the voice of Goku just in general? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's a that's a that's that's a universe I want to live in. That's some galaxy brain pulled through the head of a twelve year old <laughs> shit if I've ever heard it. Uh, and of course, in addition to the roles, if you're my age. Every dub watcher has a moment when they realize that the person they're listening to in this dub who is playing this old woman, who is playing this young boy, whoever they're playing, they realize, wait a minute, that's Rita Repulsa. There it is. 
It was very weird to me to learn that Rita Repulsa has been in other things I'd watched. Again! Not, not I, now, I'd known that for a while, it's just weird in general. Again, not the only person for Power Rangers who's into anime. I, I, up until this episode, I had not realized how much the LA anime voiceover scene also shows up in Power Rangers and whatever other, like, tokusatsu stuff got dubbed in the 90s. It, it's, it's LA entertainment overlaps a lot. I, it, like, it, now, now that I've looked at it, it all makes sense. It was just very surprising to learn in the moment. It's like, I never knew this. This is weird. Even if it makes sense. So that's, that's the Naoto. Haruko, on the other hand, is being played by Kari Walgren, uh, who you know more recently for such roles as playing Selty Sturlson in Durarara. Uh She plays Saber in most of the recent Fate series entries. Uh, very recently, you would have heard her play Lucy FX in Promare, but all of that would be in the future because Haruko Harahara is Kari Walgren's first anime role, and possibly first professional acting role, period, I'm not sure. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah this, I, is a, this is a way I, to make your debut, I tell you at, what. At the very least, I've looked on IMDb. Anything that's credited earlier in this is only because it's something like Lupin that was technically made earlier, but clearly not dubbed until later. Like, this... this Maybe she did theater beforehand? I don't know. But as far as recorded media goes, this might be the first one. And... Well, Andrew, Andrew give us your thought. What do you... What do you... We have... Maybe the uh, one of the most veteran actors in the show, and the and the unquestionable newbie. What do you think of their performance? Kari knows how to make a goddamn entrance, doesn't she? <laughs> oh yeah. What a start to your goddamn career. She's great. She's fantastic. She's wacky. She's wild. She could be seductive. She could be serious. She could be angry. She could be goofy. She could do a bunch of weird impersonations. She could talk about, like, Western rock bands. She could talk about Furikuri. She could talk about how, like, some guy's guitar is very small and be this wild, weird, chaotic pirate alien lady with a guitar and a bunch of references and shit who, like, this horny but also chaotic evil like like okay is haruko a is haruko a good person or is she like an antagonist is she she a... is she is they talk about this they actually they talk about this in some of the things where initially they didn't have a very good sense of what haruko's character was but the main thing was that she was a selfish adult woman and i think that's it she's selfish you know what yeah She's, it's, it's not. It's not quite good or bad. It's just. It's about her. She. She is not really good or evil. She is just selfish. Self. Self-serving. If you want a little more of a neutral term. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yo, Kari's fan. Goddamn tastic. She's hilarious. She's got all these great lines. She has all these wonderful innuendos. These great moments where she's being sincere and cool and badass. What a fucking debut. What a impressive career she's had. And what a place to start. Barbara Goodson as, as Nauta. Like, Barbara's fantastic too. She's really good. Like, he's a young bratty kid. And Barbara sells it pretty well. Pretty goddamn well. Like, I feel... Of all the issues I've had, like, with the dubs, like, I feel like even when I was young, I thought Barbara as Nauta was really good. Like, genuinely compelling and believable that this was a young boy character and just sold it hard. 
sold this kind of bratty, sort of immature kid trying to be more adult than he was. Like, she does a good job being, like, very frazzled and baffled and sometimes a little bit bratty and horny. And just all of these compelling, like, hormonal emotions that Naoto is doing. Barbara sells really well. I think of all my opinions of the quirkiness of this project, I feel the two leads sell it hard. And I think both Barbara and Kari are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jamal? Uh, yeah, you were right, Armand. This was actually her first Attaboy voice role. Uh, so, pretty much what we have here is the woman is a woman who is legend and the woman who would go on to be legend. Uh, let me start with Naruto, because I want to save Haruko for last. Barbara Goodson is Naruto. I never thought in my watch streams I'd never talk about Barbara Goodson. I don't talk, but hey, here we are. <laughs> and this kind of demonstrates like how unique voice actors can be when they go from one medium to another. Because every time you hear a Naruto screaming, or, like, you know, just be argumentative, you can definitely hear Rita Repulsa. But when Naruto's just being normal, just being his calm self, it's kind of different. And I really like Barbara's perspective on Naruto, the spirit, like... It's amazing, if you didn't know this character was 12 years old, you'd be like, how could she get away with this? It's like, I can't hear Rita Repulsa, but hey, it actually works. And I really liked it. Uh, Kari Walgren. Haruko <laughs> Haraha is like the most interesting character you'll ever meet, period. No matter if you can find anybody crazier than her in anime, she's the most memorable character you'll ever meet. Because, for one thing, like she makes Pop Team Epic look like. I don't know, Show My okay. Rock, something like that. She just what? she just has this dynamic. I, I feel I feel you kind of fumbled a little bit with the analogy there. Yeah, I did. But anyway, my point is is that she has this dynamic that cannot be reached in any other character ever. Like Haruko is very unique in that, and that like, you cannot you can never picture you can never figure out what it is she wants or what it is she's doing. Like you always see what you least expect it, which should always be aware when you watch this kind of show because she will pop up constantly <laughs> especially when she's just breaking away breaking the fourth wall sometimes it's like you're wondering to yourself where the show is going with her and then all of a sudden you get that exposition jump from the commander eyebrows in the sixth episode i think it was then you find out more about haruko and you, you're like yeah it makes sense but then you realize no it doesn't because Haruko is just an enigma. Kari Walgren kind of captures that. In, in a way, no other voice actor really could, to be honest, because. I know I'd say I'm having trouble finding the words, but I'm really having trouble finding the words here. Like, very. I don't know what to make of Haruko, other than she's just that crazy woman on a Vespa with a Ricky Parker. I guess, a better, I guess, I don't know, maybe Kamiyama, maybe better way be. She's kind of like if, like, the Doctor from Doctor Who was a character in anime. Uh, I, I, I see, I mean, I see what you're getting at, because she's very... Unique. I mean, she's very 
Yeah, she's very unique and she's very... She's human-ish, but still very alien in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, when you get to the end result of the show, it's like, you know, it, it ain't going to be a happy ending. It's just going to be now to live his best life, just moving on. Because what you thought was probably going to be a love story turns out to be just a dud. And, but there's always a more to that story. And now to have to grow up sometimes, so. But Haruko definitely makes sure that it's like, you know, don't get too attached to this character because she gets too attached to, like, other things. I mean, Animus is kind of unique in his own way, too. I mean, they even show how he's depicted as... Okay, that 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 part kind of confused me in the episode. They're supposed to be enemies. And yet, Commander says that she's kind of in love with him, but then you find out it's something else? Jamal, it's like, it's like hate. It's like hate fix. They hate each other, but at the end, it's because they want to fuck each other. Yeah, that he just kind of disappears like Shedwad after the Dragon Ball's been used. Also, at the end of the day, when you think about it, Haruko Haruhara is a total size queen because by the end of this, you realize she's just been chasing one big cock. Ten demerits. Cluck cluck. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've been building that one for the past two minutes in my head. I'm like, wait, can I go somewhere with this? And I did. Don't worry. And I went for it. Don't worry, Haruko kind of built that in six episodes, so... Uh, my head's all smoky now, I'm all fizzled. I, I, I never thought I'd have tr this much trouble talking about character and how to describe Kari's performance, but Kari... It's just I this world. Like I'm glad this was actually your first role because you don't really meet a lot of people who've had a unique first role such as this. Like, I'd say if there's anything to describe it, it is foodie coolie. <laughs> but what? It, but what is foodie coolie exactly? Exactly, it's whatever <laughs> you make it to be. Yeah. It is purposely vague. Uh, uh, any more to say? I am legitimately tapped out. I, I... Alright. Don't, don't worry, we're in the home stretch now. <coughs> um, as for me, yeah, these, these are, I think these are two very good performances. Um, uh, Barbara's just really good as Naoto. I think she does a good job presenting just a lot of his character like she's good at kind of the sullen teen stuff and she's also good at like getting really amped up when the story calls for it which is not something i necessarily associate with uh, barbara goodson like i know she can be loud but it's usually like uh you know you know angry old lady along the lines of um, grandpa octopus uh, grandma octopus or uh Rhea repulsa or something like that kind of like sort of astonished manic comedy is not something i normally associate with her but i think she she's does, she does very well here i think uh, this is, this is, you know, when I think of her performances, this is definitely one of the ones I think of. Uh, both because of how long I've known about it, and just because I think it's, it's really good. She's, she's really good at this character. Which I think, you know, Naoto is kind of the big linchpin of the show in a lot of ways, so I think her giving a strong performance is important. Like, I, I don't think this dub would be nearly as good on the whole if she wasn't. Uh, and I think she, she really nails it. I really like that. And... 
no wonder Kari Walgren is a star if this is her introduction into the world. Like, yeah, okay. How hard must have this been to record? There's so much happening and so much her character has to do. Uh, she's, she does, she does a lot, 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 lot. Uh, and she's, she's just, she's really funny, she is really on point. She does a good, I think she does a good job of, like, modulating for per performance as necessary. Like, she, she is very good at this. Uh, like, you can, you can tell why she went on to bigger and better things, and this is kind of like her introduction. Uh, she is, she is absolutely top-notch. This could not have been an easy role to play, and I think she, like, hit, she, just a hundred on all marks. Like, goddamn. What a performance. Uh, like, yeah, no, I can't imagine anything else, and, yeah, this, I, I, this is so good, I could imagine plans for the sequel series falling apart because they couldn't get Kari back. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's how, and, like, she is, her performance is unquestionably integral to this dub, I would argue that it's that integral to just, like, fully Cooly in general. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best. It's great. Uh, and on that note, would we like to go to our final thoughts, gentlemen? Yep. Alright, Andrew. This... This is a show, it's taken a lot... It's taken me a few years to really sort out what I think of it. Mm-hmm. It is not a show I think I personally adore. It is not a show that I think is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It... it I had to acquire taste for it as I kind of grew up. It didn't quite click with me. But now that I am older and quote-unquote wiser, I appreciate what the show is. It is kind of a wild, crazy passion project of a time. It is a dub that is very unique, quirky, but also kind of charming. It is also kind of just a weird, wild show that is could be many things, can also be nothing. This could be the deepest metaphor you've ever seen or it could just be a bunch of nonsense and either would be a fair fair point you can like fully coolly you can hate fully coolly it is fully coolly at the end of the day at the end of the day it is what it is and what i think it is is something it was kind of fun to revisit again but i also realized how much of the show i still kind of memorize like this is a weird show that I realize is vividly ingrained in what I remember about it, and still kind of- I'm still learning new things about it to this day, that I kind of appreciate. Hmm. It's a unique show, it's a unique beast, I can see why it has a cult following, and also because there's no place to really talk about it. The music of this is fucking, fucking <laughs> killer. The pillows, man. Love them pillows. Gotta love pillows. They're comfortable. They're a great Japanese rock band. What can't pillows do? I can't say. Uh, Jamal? Or, do, do, sorry, did you have more to say? No, I was I was trying to think of a quip. I was trying. I could have gone dark with that, but I felt like, nah, it wasn't the time. I was gonna say fluff themselves, but, uh... <laughs> Alright. Go fluff yourself, Jamal. Okay, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I guess, I'll be honest, haven't been going on and off with anime for my life. If I had watched something like this, I, 
I too, I probably would feel like I do not like it as much as first because it did seem weird. But after watching an unspecified amount of anime over the years and delving more and more into the craziness, the fact that I actually saw Progressive entirely before I finished this and diving back into Foodie Cooley, it's like, I get it. I get it now. I, I can see that while like, some, sometimes when people talk about like old school anime stuff, there'll always be like at least that one person that always mentions Fooly Cooly. I can see why because you know, it, it even though sometimes it kind of looks like something that's, that's past its time, it's also worth its time because it still holds up even today, tw uh, like 18, 20 years later. And I can still pick up on the jokes they had back in the days. Like, yeah, yeah, some elements would kind of make it seem a tiny bit dated. I mean, the old magazine thing, the black bars. But hey, you know, what's this? You you mean the aspect ratio? Yes, the aspect ratio, Andrew. It's ten thirty. I can't think straight right now. <laughs> I, I I was just wondering. I'm like, of. Yes, that is dated because it's the aspect ratio. Yes, I know that. Anyway, it's amazing how something can still hold up to its time, even today, because, you know, if you didn't have, like, all those gag jokes and so like, if you, if you kind of went, like, one step in the wrong direction with those kind of jokes, with its storyline and so on, it could seem even more dated than what already was it would not be as well liked as it was and this is coming from a guy who doesn't even direct in the states anymore like he's got off and done his old thing abroad so it's always interesting to see like old projects of old just like stand up to the test of time best they can you know mm. i really don't know how i'm going with this i just have a, i just have a lot of appreciation for how unique this show really is and basically I cannot give it any more praise than I already have like if it's not on your radar it kind of should be you know at, at least for like something to like understand in terms of like 2000s anime or so like if you even if you like somebody that's like an anime historian or something like that you should at least watch Fooly Cooly every once in a while mm. You don't have to like it, you just have to watch it. No, I agree. This is, uh, this, I mean, I, I think as I've made this clear, this dub is a personal favorite of mine. I think it's really well put together. I think it's really interesting sounding. Uh, I think there's a lot that's, and not, not just kind of of its time, but maybe not, not even that, uh, just in some of the performances. Because of it was how it was put together, because of, like, the show it's adapting. Um, but I really like it. Like, this... I get like I've I've never heard the Japanese for Fooly Cooly. I may never hear the Japanese for Fooly Cooly, uh, which is not a service to anyone who worked on that front. Like all the clips I've heard suggest that it is an equally entertaining perform uh, time in the Japanese, but like the English at this point for me at least is so iconic. Uh, you know, it hit that thing where like you watch Kobe be up in English. It's not like it's bad or any sorry in Japanese. It's not bad or anything. The Japanese vocal performances are still good. But in my brain, Cowboy Bebop is in English. And in my brain, Fooly Cooly is in English. Uh, and, you know, given my druthers, that's that's how I want to watch it. It is great stuff. Uh, and the music is 
so so fantastic so good um and on that note uh gentlemen uh shall we let's bring this to a close let's let's it's Uh, the it's the climax it is the climax it's true uh you can find us dub talk on uh well you're probably on our youtube page now for dub talk and you can also find us at uh twitter tumblr and uh twitch at uh dub talk podcast uh you can follow us there and keep up with what we're doing and all that good stuff uh we also have a patreon uh which uh, there'll be a link in the description and uh you should uh, click on it and come give us some money because uh we appreciate it and it makes doing this a little easier in certain ways I feel um, like if you are a patron, you would be a beautiful person and might even get a possible shout-out. Let me, let me, let me pull up the thing. Uh, anyways, uh, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you'll get a little shout-out in episodes like this. Uh, thank you to our $5 patrons, uh, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. And thank you to our $10 tier, uh, Carly Lestikow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marissa Lenti, and we Weeby. Thank you. Uh, gentlemen, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, my name is Andrew. You, my, I go by the moniker Classy Spartan, but you can follow me on Twitter by my original online moniker, MangaMan9000. I believe you could probably change that on Twitter nowadays. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But you can find me on Twitter at MangaMan9000. I am a community manager and moderator for the Funimation forums and Discord. My opinions are my own. And I am also a member of the uh, Surreal Resolutions anime podcast ONA, where I do episodes alongside fellow Dub Talk aficionado co-host Jet. That's what I do. I also work now, and it's tiring. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jamal? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Chapstar52 at Chapstar52 I'm on YouTube at Chapstar1 I have a blog that's connected to us I really hope to eventually to solo podcast sometime for the next few months I'll tell you what it's about later I'm also an assistant editor for the Dub Talk podcast uh, see what else uh, yeah my uh Comments are rated PG-13, but sometimes it can be rated R. Be careful. Hmm. And uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Uh, Duel has two U's in it. I talk about movies and comic books and music. Would you like to hear about some music, guys? Amon, if there's ever been a goddamn motherfucking time I've wanted to hear you talk about music, this would be the time. Alright, so, as we've alluded to, the... The score for this show is done by a Japanese garage rock band called The Pillows. Uh, They did that because the director liked their music and thought it'd be cool to have music by a band he liked be the music for the show. Uh, So they used a bunch of their songs. Uh, If you hear it, you'll probably recognize Little Busters as one of the fight songs that shows up a lot. Uh, And most of it is a mix of pre-recorded material, some stuff that have been re-recorded a little bit to be instrumentals, and two new songs, I Think I Can, and of course... Right on Shooting Star, the immortal aye, ending aye, theme. Aye, aye, right on, on Shooting, shooting Star. star. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it is a classic. So for you, I have I have a couple suggestions, actually. One looking towards the past and one looking towards the future. Uh, 
The pillows themselves got their name from a uh, 1983 or 1984, I forget when it came out exactly, but a uh, record compilation put out by the British uh, indie label Cherry Red called Pillows and Prayers, uh, which is a compilation of uh, material put out by bands signed to them between 1982 and 1983. It's very British sort of indie pop, indie rock stuff that kind of sounds like the same scene that like the Smiths were coming from, basically. Uh, it's a good compilation. If you want a particular song, I'd recommend "On My Mind" by Everything But the Girl. Uh, not from their like, not from their uh, uh, what do you call it? Not from their trip hop days. No, no, this is from much earlier than that. Uh, that's a good time. If you want something more recent, uh, a couple years ago, I had the privilege of being able to see them live when they were touring in support of uh, FLCL Progressive and Alternative getting released or announced. Uh, that was great. I got to see it with my girlfriend. Uh, Steph was also there. Uh, I was- I, I remain jealous of my girlfriend because she got to see the pillows in, like, sometime in the mid-2000s when they played in Anime Boston. And that must have been a great show. Um, and while they were there, they were touring with a couple of openers, one of whom was a band, Noodles, who signed to the same record, lab record label than they are. And they're pretty good. I would recommend either their song Metallic Nocturne or their song Bloody Waltz. Uh, oh my ones. god, both of those are so fucking cool names. Ain't, ain't they great? Just the best. Oh, Metallic Nocturne sounds fucking awesome. No, it does. It's a good song. I recommend it. Uh, so go check those out, because they're good for you. Also, as of today, the day we are... Literally yes! the day we are recording. January, January 28th. Thank you for pointing this out, Jamal. Uh, you can now listen to the first uh, uh, Fully Cooly soundtrack on Spotify. Technically, you could thank Katie on the Discord for that. That's true, uh, but thank you for alerting me, because I've been on the Discord all day. Uh, so thank you. And, and before you ask, yes, Katie, Kyokajiro would totally jam the fuck out to the pillows. Oh, 100%. Unquestionably. So on that note, uh, listen to that. Listen to good music. Oh, uh, if you actually want to watch Fully Cooly. Oh yeah, where, <laughs> where did you watch it? If you want to watch Fully Cooly, it is available streaming on... Uh, you can get a few ways. You can get it on home video from Funimation, where it has uh, director commentary, some outtakes, good stuff. You can watch it streaming on uh, Funimation's website. And as I found out, you can watch it on Adult Swim's website for free. No cable access, no anything, until, according to the website, 2023. You know what? That makes a lot of sense, given yeah, the no. fact that... That's, yeah, they have so the, you literally uh, have so. no excuse. You can watch it any way you want. You can watch the whole thing in like two and a half hours. Like, but, no but excuse. Can I, but can I watch it on a Lord Conti working, walking robot made? You will have to make the Lord Conti yourself. Okay. But yes, if you can wire it up, sure. Alrighty. Alright, and on that note, we bid you good night for audience. Otaku on... Otaku on, my friends, and ride on shooting star. Yeah, keep on riding. Rock on, Boston. Rock on, Cleveland. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.